I'm Nick. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of January 2021, and we are at the finale of our video game movie month. Uh, essentially, what we've been doing from week to week is uh, taking a look at movies that have been adapted from uh, video game roots. Um, and funny enough, this brings us back to one of our uh, one of our longest episodes we ever recorded. Um, Mortal Kombat uh, from 1995 is a movie that is very near and dear to both Kyle and I's hearts, but... Um, today, we're going to be talking about something that we don't care that much for, and that would be its uh, oft-forgotten cousin and or sequel and or brother, whatever you want to call it, Mortal Kombat Annihilation from 1997. Um, and I'm just going to go right ahead and and point out who made us do this. Uh, so you may have noticed we had a third <laughs> voice on the audio track in the intro here. Uh, that would be Kyle's brother, Nick. Uh, so Nick... Why Why did you make us watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation? I'm so sorry. <laughs> First of all, I just want to apologize to everyone. But, you know, the, there weren't that many choices. Uh, I was rolling down the list of like, okay, all right, video game movies. Here we go. Okay, but it has to be a video game that I've played. So I'm going down. I'm like, okay, there's uh, Assassin's Creed wait that movie was awful there's nothing really to talk about there uh tomb raider i I never played the originals but i played the new ones uh there was even a need for speed movie but eh, what there's just not much there wasn't a whole lot out there (laughs) and then even like dragon ball evolution i was like well that's a that's a bad movie we could you know poke fun of that but kyle has i don't think he's even i don't even know if he knows what dragon ball is so I was like, okay. I do know what Dragon Ball Z is, yes. Yeah, whatever. But I was like, okay, <laughs> if it's Mortal Kombat, at least I know, we all know what that is. We have stuff to talk about, and, you know, it's a game that we're relatively familiar with. Okay, well, I, I think that's sound logic, and I don't actually have a problem with doing Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, actually, I do think it's kind of funny, because I, I could be wrong. I mean, for fuck's sake, the, the episode on Mortal Kombat is over three hours long. Uh, a lot, a lot was said in that span of time, <laughs> but I seem to recall Kyle um, kind of doing a, a Rocky moment. Uh, the you know when Rocky and Apollo are tied up at the end of the the first film, ain't gonna be no rematch, ain't gonna be no rematch, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kyle basically said as much. We ain't doing Mortal Kombat Annihilation, <laughs> and uh, here we are. Yeah, other than a jumping off point to talk about the games, there's no real reason to talk about it as a film. And that's more or less why I nudged you towards Mortal Kombat Annihilation is because we actually all have something we can talk about with this movie. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately that has been something that's been lacking from week to week. And I honestly do feel a little bad about that because, Kyle, I feel like you've been kind of odd man out for a lot of these episodes. So I'm actually really glad that we're finishing strong with one that, you know, <laughs> you are actually familiar with. So, you know, you can be on more even footing with everyone in the room. But... Uh, funny enough, I seem to remember um, the other two front runners uh, for Nick's pick um, being, for a time, Doom. Uh, for yeah. a very long time, Doom yes. was the front runner. Uh, yes. Uh, and I'm kind of shocked that we didn't do that, actually. I was actually kind of looking for an excuse to take another look at that movie because <laughs> I hadn't seen it since the theater. Um, and the other one uh, was Resident Evil. 
which is a whole can of worms, but one that I'm always down to open up because those movies are trash, but they're like a particular brand of trash that's actually kind of fun to root around in every once in a while. It really is. Um, Yeah. And those games, um, pushing the movies aside, those games are like some of my favorite games of all time. So I I would have, that would probably be another three hour episode that you guys would (laughs) check out of like an hour in and I'd still just keep going. (laughs) So I think Mortal Kombat Annihilation is probably the the better pick. Um, But one thing that I, I like to do um, kind of in the opening portions of these uh, video game movie month episodes is uh, before we get into the movie proper and whatnot, actually like take a minute to actually talk about the video game franchise and like our own personal histories with it. So being as I got two brothers in front of me, I'm sure you guys played some Mortal Kombat together, correct? <laughs> uh, that's actually fairly recent. We didn't grow up having the Mortal Kombat, uh, the Mortal Kombat game proper. Now we did have a fighting game that we did play against each other in occasionally, which was Tekken, Tekken 3 specifically. Uh, it played the hell out of that game. Uh, also Lord of the Rings, which uh, if we ever do a video game month again, I think that could be a fun oh, time yeah. to actually try to tackle Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, that is a good one. Because we can come at it from all different sides. We have the books, we have the films, and the video games. So, uh, But we play a lot of Tekken, but we didn't... We I think we maybe rented Mortal Kombat 1 or 2 for Sega Genesis. Did they have it for Sega Genesis? Yeah, actually. The, the original home port of uh, the first Mortal Kombat was famous and or infamous um, because the Genesis version was the only one that got blood. Uh, ah. The Super Nintendo, they colored the blood effects gray, and so the kids on the playground were calling it sweat. Um, but the Genesis version had a, a code you could input uh, to change the, the sweat into blood, and so that was, of course, the one that all the kids preferred because that's why you play fucking Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I actually have it for Super Nintendo, and I tried playing it one day, and it's it's harder. It's harder than I remember because there's actually there's combos, and I didn't I didn't realize that. So I, I was gonna actually play it after we got done recording tonight. I'm gonna mess with some combos and see how so how well I do. But did you have uh, Nick was actually the one that got me playing Mortal Kombat X? Yes, actually, I want to say that Mortal Kombat had to have been the first fighting game that we played because we watched the movie, yeah. and I, I'm almost sure Mom let us rent the game. So yeah, we started. That's out exactly with, where the, we played it. The good Mortal Kombat movie with the game, I still remember playing it to this day. I haven't played any other Mortal Kombat except for that one until I got to Mortal Kombat X. And I really enjoyed it. I don't know. But that's what I'm wondering is, why did you like it, Kyle? Because you don't even like video games. Like You're not as much as a gamer as I am. So what drew you to that? Well, you you and I have had uh, different different kind of video games. Like you and I both love Donkey Kong Country. Uh, what was it? NBA Jams or what, what was oh, the? Yeah. We have the bas- We had the game we played a lot. We played that baseball game, the King Griffey Jr. baseball Terrible game. Man. Yeah, uh, I hate it. yeah. Hey, 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 hey! Let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> he had trouble beating me, but I know I played uh, Medal of Honor for that first PlayStation. Remember, we played the hell out of that. Oh yeah, uh, that one. Yeah. We played that Medal uh, of Honor. Underground, correct? We had ball. Uh, we had uh, Medal of Honor as well. We played that one. I think it was PS2, um, and then we played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 a lot. Yeah, it was like it was like the Saving Private Ryan one, whatever that was, because it starts out just like that, the D-Day, Frontline. Maybe it was Frontline. Oh no, we had a lot of the Medal of Honor games. Uh, we played that a lot. But yeah, and then the only other game I would play with you was Tekken, and that was occasionally, but you pretty much always beat me. 
So when Mortal Kombat X came out, I don't know. It was just I was easy. It was easier for me to pick up for some reason. Uh, I'm not good at Call of Duty and those like first, like Medal of Honor was like a slow first person shooter. Like you took your time, did missions, but Medal of Honor was just like I'm not prepared for this, dude. Like this is this makes no sense. Halo, I don't under, I still don't understand how Halo works. It it's over my head. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. It's great. I love Halo. <laughs> yeah, I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> but, no, that, that's kind of neat. Like, it's interesting, because I, I feel like a, a lot of people's path to Mortal Kombat was kind of structured that way as well, because there were some dark fucking years for the franchise. Um, like, the the PS2, GameCube, Xbox era was not especially kind to Mortal Kombat. In fact, there's probably a lot of folks that don't even remember that... It's kind of like Ninja Turtles. You left... But they kept right on rolling. <laughs> it's like, you stop paying attention to Ninja Turtles, but they never actually stopped making it. And same deal with Mortal Kombat, where it's like, you know, people got kind of partied out with that franchise about the time 4 came out, and it was, like, not especially mind-blowing. But then there were some several years and several iterations of the series that came out after that that, like, it was like, mm, I'd, it'd be nice if we could just sweep that under the rug. We can't. Um, but for me, uh, personally, um, I... I played the first one in the arcade a handful of times. Of course, everybody was always crowded around that cabinet, so I very seldom got to play it, but I always watched the hell out of it. I, I have this uh, memory of actually going on a tour of the uh, Redmond uh, Nintendo facility, um, and they had like a special exhibition like VHS tape of uh, Mortal Kombat 2. It was like the, the debut of it. Um, and that was so fucking cool to see as a little kid. Like, because it was just footage. Like, the game didn't exist yet. And it was like, oh my god, hype! Um, but the first game, I remember my brother bought it. And I think he promptly returned it. Because he just wasn't happy with it. Like, the he, we had the Super Nintendo version, not the Genesis one. Uh, we never owned a Genesis when, when I was young. Um, and I just remember him figuring out how to exploit the AI of the computer. And just continually sweeping the opponent. And they just never got wise to it. So you just keep sweeping them. And the only person you couldn't really do that to was Goro. So you could basically beat the whole game just by sweeping and uppercutting if they try to jump. Wow. Um, so, like, special moves. He was like, why would I do special moves when the sweep seems to be working just fine? But the, the real game changer was uh, MK2. Like, that seems to be the one that, like, when you think of, like, early Mortal Kombat, like, the mechanics of it and even the roster kind of what people think of. In fact, like, the current Mortal Kombat, MK11, um, is made, like, largely in homage to MK2. Like, there's a reason, like, like why characters like Melina and Kitana and Baraka and Kong Lao mm -hmm. are kind of front and center in that one. is because that's, that's who you had in 2. And that was kind of the breakthrough game where it, it crystallized into becoming, like, how Mortal Kombat would expect be expected to be. Because the first one's kind of jank, to be perfectly honest, but... Um, but yeah, I, I left the franchise pretty much after 2, like in Ernst. Uh, I was more of a Street Fighter kid. I was more f comfortable with those kinds of games. I think a lot of it had to do with the block button, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I don't like having to press a button to defend myself. I like Street Fighter where you just hold back. Yep. And, and inevitably you just hold back and down and just turtle up yep. <laughs> until they stop hitting you over the head. But Mortal Kombat, I would, I would always forget. That's like, oh, yeah, there's a button for that. <laughs> so I'd like get my ass kicked a few rounds before I'd acclimate. But um, then out of nowhere, I, I purchased a MKX on Steam. 
And holy shit, like I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even really get good at it, but there's something about that game that on a mechanical level, it 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 wants you to play it. Like mm-hmm. it lets you get away yeah. with so much to the point that it's like I can't tell if it's broken or or like really really <laughs> solid, but whatever it is, I like it. <laughs> it made games fun again for me. That's why I liked it so much. It was like I I just couldn't find a fun game anymore. I did play that Donkey Kong for the Wii. They did the Donkey Kong Country for the Wii, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, like Mortal Kombat X is like I just want to kind of have fun like playing a video game, and it, it made it fun again. Yeah, it, it really is very responsive, and it, it kind of lets you take things for a ride. And, like, what I love about the mechanics of MKX is, like, if it makes sense in your head, generally the game lets you get away with it. Where it's, like, if you start a juggle, like, if you get a, an opponent airborne, like, uh, the one move that seems to set up so many combos in that game is a, a jumping punch. that They bounce off the ground and they go up in the air. And then when you, it's like volleyball or something. It's like, well, I, I gotta spike it. <laughs> it's like, and whatever buttons you hit after that, it usually works out. It, it feels so good to just invent a combo of your own on the fly. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Is, well, I was always more partial to Tekken. I don't know why. I guess just because when Tekken Three came out, I played the crap out of it. I played every Tekken since, but I, I like that style better but you're right you could just jump into mortal Kombat and be like oh well this is this is it's fluid it's so fluid where i know if i set kyle down and let him play tekken 7 versus mortal Kombat 11 he would just be like i don't i don't get i don't get this tekken and he he would just be done yeah uh, on a mechanical level tekken has a lot of like legacy built into how it works like even even just like looking at the the command inputs like if you go into training mode just looking at the the way the arrows are drawn and stuff like you have to have muscle memory you have to have some measure of familiarity just to decipher the code like um tekken has that pause mechanic where you you press like forward but then there's a beat in between and then like your character will like step in or something like if you try to explain that to someone without them having done it before it doesn't work like it's going to take a a weekend or a whole week to get them up to speed so you guys can even have a decent match whereas mortal Kombat, it's like especially mk11 they dumb that game down a little bit and uh, for me who's only average at best when it comes to most fighting games these days i I used to be a little better but these days no not at all um i actually kind of welcome that where it's like the the average string, uh, basically any combo, like button combination. It's very rigid. It doesn't let you, there's no wiggle room. Like you can't invent combos. You got to do what the game wants you to do. That's the difference between that and MKX. But like the average length is like maybe three inputs, three or four. So if you just like pound out a rhythm of some buttons, you're going to have something happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then every, like all the special moves, the way the menu system's designed, it's so easy to just like jump in and reference your, your character sheet really quick. It's like, oh, that's how you do the teleport punch. Okay, we're in business. <laughs> um, but Tekken, um, I think my brother, um, he was the one that always really, really loved that. And we've, we'd, we've pretty much been playing all those games, or at least he has anyway, since the first one. And I am actually itching for an excuse to come back to it because I haven't touched Tekken since Tekken 4, to be honest. And uh, as far as I understand, 5 was like kind of a breakthrough because 4 was regarded as like the black sheep of the whole family. And then 5 kind of like set things straight and got everything rolling again. Now apparently 7 is regarded as like one of the best fighting games going. Um, And also like 
the funny thing about like Mortal Kombat as compared to some of these other fighting games is like you meant both of you mentioned Tekken three. Um, in most circles, as far as I understand, Tekken three is often thought of as like a top five, top three fighting game of all time, um, regardless of like if it's polygonal or two D or three D or whatever. Just like top three, top five best fighting game of all time. Whereas most Mortal Kombat games are insanely popular, especially these days because they've gotten way ahead of things in terms of like DLC and like character packs and stuff. So like they're super popular, but in terms of like competitive stuff, like like the hardcore circles, it I don't think it's like thought of as like a prestige game in that sense. So Tekken is often often thought of as like yeah, this is some hardcore shit. <laughs> I, I want to revisit. I want to revisit Soul Blade. Uh, we never Ooh. we never owned it, but we used to play it at our cousin's house. Uh, you not remember playing that? You might. You were pretty young when we went over there. Uh, it's not. You're not thinking of Soul Calibur, right? Is it different? Um, he is. Um, Soul Blade was the first game in the whole franchise. That's the it one. Preda- we used. It predates Soul Calibur. We used to play Soul Blade. It was it was Soul Blade. <laughs> yeah. We used to play that. That one was a lot of fun. Uh, one thing yeah. I was going to mention about it, MKX, I think what makes it fun for me is I'm realizing the uh, the sound effects, the punching. Uh, I'm thinking back, was the Mortal Kombat, was it more like uh, Randy Savage snapping into a Slim Jim? Like a... Was that what the like the old Mortal Kombat was? Because the, the Mortal Kombat now actually sounds like legit like thumps, like body, body shots. The sound design in the new ones, um, the old ones were done by uh, Midway Studios, but uh, these days a, a, a group called Netherrealm makes all of them, and they also do the Injustice games, uh, mm-hmm. the DC universe. So like, super, it's a fighting game for DC Comics characters, basically. Um, and their sound design, and in recent years with uh, Injustice Two and MK Eleven, uh, the the performance capture, like the the facial rendering technology, has been like. A big thing that they've been really pushing like the characters look photorealistic now and it's kind of distracting honestly um but yeah the sound design these days is like painfully realistic and crunchy um first mk it sounded like muffled to shit (laughs) (laughs) but then you get to like mk2 and it starts to sound pretty fucking solid and actually the sound design of mk3 was always like one of my favorites because it's so fucking aggro like it's just nothing but <laughs> like the whole screen shakes every time like the literally the entire screen shakes every time you do a simple combo and it's like do, 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 do. <laughs> it's fucking batshit crazy and i love it <laughs> that's i love playing mortal kombat 11 because it, it feels like an 80s action movie where you're just like and it, it's that almost like an indiana jones punch or something it, it's it's thick yeah, that. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about, and they are certainly wise to that. That's exactly mm-hmm. the vibe they're going for, as evidenced by the character selection these days. Um, and I guess, like, as 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 we're coming to a close here with talking about the games and such, we should probably. I don't know, Kyle. You brought this up on some previous episodes. Do you do you all do you guys have any like preferred characters um, in like MKX or MK11? Um, I, I fucked with, uh, Air Mac for a little bit. Uh, I was getting pretty confident with the teleporting, but I kept coming back to Liu Kang. And as of recently, I, I'm pretty much solely working with Liu Kang. I did mess with Sub-Zero a little bit. Nick really pushed me into playing with Sub-Zero. 
but I feel like it. I think Liu Kang just has good, co- like just like, good combos on his own. Like you, he's not overly complicated. And you can do quite a bit of da- his kick combo does quite a bit of damage, and that's four. That's like four Bs in a row. That's it. Like you can just keep going back to that. Like you said, it's the Red Ranger effect. It's the it's the he's the Ryu of the of the roster. Where it's like if you need to point at one guy who seems approachable, it's like may as well be him. You know, the guy with the band the guy with the bandana who shoots the fireballs. His compli- <laughs> is I've been doing his combos long enough now that they're not super complicated for me. But everybody wants to play with like the super cool dudes. So I think people just don't realize like Luke Kang is if if you're trying to get real, you're trying to get real on some tournament with somebody. Luke Kang is a good go to. How about you, Nick? It's funny he mentioned tournament. I literally watched like the Mortal Kombat 11 tournament like this past December on like YouTube just while I was working. I hope my boss never listens to this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so but we don't use yeah, last names. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mortal uh, Kombat 10X, uh, Aaron Black actually he was a new character. Oh. And I, fuck I'm you, just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't know why. I always have loved revolvers. I'm like, wait a minute. They've got a Mortal Kombat guy with revolvers. I picked him up. And it's I was unfair. Like, oh, it's, the, every character has their own advantage and whatever disadvantage. Uh, I mean, even Liu Kang can teleport in this new one. But anyway, Aaron Black, Scorpion. Uh, I was trying to think, who else did I play with? Kyle? Uh, you messed with Jax. You were actually getting pretty comfy Jax, with Jax yeah. there for a while. Yeah. I like the... He's like the Steve Fox in Tekken. It's Jax in Mortal Kombat. And that's why I liked him. But this is really weird, and I feel weird saying this. In Mortal Kombat 11, my favorite characters to play as, which has surprised me, are Sindel, Shao Kahn, and Spawn. I think Spawn actually is my new favorite character, which I'm like, it feels wrong saying because he's a DLC character, but I, I don't know. I uh, I was rocking Shao Kahn, and this is another thing I wanted to bring up, but all the interwebs say, who's the worst character in the game? What's it matter? Like, it's it's about having fun, but uh, we, I mean, we can talk about that later, but yeah. Surprisingly, That's Spawn a whole other different kind of nerd, dude. <laughs> I mean... It, well, that's the thing about fighting games in general. It, it's it's like in Tekken three, and Tekken four and five, you could make your own combos up. But like you said, Trevor, it's like in this new one, you can really only go down one or two roads and end up with the same result. And so they've taken all the all the fun out, where it's like, well, let me invent this and mix this up. To you have to do this if you want to be good. Yeah, there's been a lot of controversy with MK11 as far as I understand. Um, like the hardcore circles tend to frown upon the game a little bit because it, it is dumbed down in such a way that it doesn't allow as much creativity in, in terms of play style and whatnot. So, you know, the internet's pretty quick about coming up with things like tier lists and stuff like yeah. that, and it gets updated with every patch. And, you know, when whenever you're playing a competitive game, there's always that internal debate you have with yourself where it's like do i want to win or do i want to like play for me right and i've always unfortunately catered to playing for me and it's actually cost me a lot in terms of you know my ability to succeed (laughs) because (laughs) there there are characters unfortunately who are just straight up better than others in in almost every video game ever made 
Um, but in in MK11's case, like they take it a step further though, where uh, there's the the competitive mode of the like the online game, where uh, the type of skills you can apply to your characters is uh, locked down. So you can create a custom character with like a custom move set and mm. stuff, but you're not able to carry that custom character into competitive matches. You can only do it in casual. Right. Um, so there's a lot of folks that are like, "Oh man, this character is so much fun casually." Right. But if I try to play this character that I love in a competitive environment, the game doesn't allow that. So again, it's none of this applies to anyone in this conversation, but it's it's something that a lot of people do have complaints about. But um, that's kind of fun that Shao Kahn was one of your picks for MK11, though, because I saw his character design, and I was like, oh, he's got a fucking mallet, of course. <laughs> like, I, and he's Shao Kahn. I mean, I, I kind of have a soft spot for Shao Kahn. He's basically Skeletor from He-Man. Like, <laughs> who wouldn't want to be that? <laughs> um, I know, right? But Aaron Black, Aaron Black, both Kyle and I uh, flipped Nick the Bird. Just, uh, <laughs> was, uh, we, we, we both have some sour feelings. Yeah, unacceptable. unacceptable. We have some sour feelings about Aaron Black. Did he play with the Xenomorph do... as well? He, he did play. Xenomorph with... is one of the best characters in that game. Uh, the alien is a fucking beast. Um, I had a lot of fun with uh, Jason Voorhees in MKX, uh, the machete variant. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. There's a lot of juggles I was just inventing for myself, and I was like, holy shit, that works. Holy shit, that works. That's holy the shit, fun I'm of Jason. it. I'm having a grand old time. <laughs> um, I also like playing Reptile in MKX as well. Uh, his, uh, his floaty bubble sack attack was a good setup for stuff. Yeah. I like that he would like vacillate back and forth between being very fast and kind of like oddly slow at times. And also, I had some good matches with, with uh, Raiden. Uh, oh, Sub Zero is yeah. usually the first character I, I futz with in in any MK game, just to get a feel for the mechanics and stuff. But uh, MK11 uh, Jax was my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, he has that one variation that has a you can follow up most of his punch combos with a throw, and oh my god, it's glorious! <laughs> because one of the one of the throws comes in the form of an overhead. So people like try to turtle up and like duck in front of you, and you're just like, nope, <laughs> like, just grab them by the nape of their neck and just beat their head, <laughs> and they just keep falling for it over and over and over again. But, um, man, obviously MK has a special place in all of our hearts. Right. Um, Nick, are you a fan of the first movie? Yes, I was actually really jealous when you guys did the uh, episode because I was like, I wish I could be there because that's just. That's my brother and I. That's our childhood right there. I mean, that's, that that's 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 it right there. Yeah, that's that right, and pa- yeah. maybe a little bit of Power Rangers too, and that just kicked off a whole world of hurt of pretend fighting, actual fighting, uh, video games with fight. It's just it. Yeah, it just took off. There was no better feeling than going to our mothers on Saturday and then going to Blockbuster around dusk. And going to pick out, I could smell the blockbuster, going to pick out <laughs> Mortal Kombat for the sixth week in a row. <laughs> Play it again! Every, I don't know why she didn't buy it for us. Why didn't she just buy the VHS? Because she knew we loved it. We never owned it. <laughs> that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, maybe they'll mix it up this time. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was going to ask, did you guys see the Mortal Kombat? It was like a YouTube series that came out. I think around the 2010s or something around there. 2011, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I did. Don't know what happened. I did watch. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, he owns it. 
I did I see it, it right when it came out, but I didn't understand what it was, so I just I just kind of watched it. I'm like, okay, what the hell was that? And then I never revisited it again. Yeah, um, I think it was called uh, Rebirth, or in, uh, later on, Legacy. Uh, so as far as I understand, it started as like a proof of concept video, um, and it was uh, Michael Jai White as Jax, and uh, uh, what's-her-face, uh, Seven of Nine from uh, Star Trek. Um, as Sonya, and I, I think it featured a. It ended with a fight scene between Baraka and Johnny Cage, and it was all like really high quality stunt professionals putting on a, a grand old show. But it was like a. It was just like a kind of a thing they did on a lark, and then the Mortal Kombat folks liked it, and they licensed them. I think to make a series of short films, like kind of expanding the the lore of the Mortal Kombat franchise. And yeah, it was, I think it was like in the mid 2010s or something. And yeah, it sounds like both Nick and I own it. And, uh, I didn't catch the second half of it. Cause I know they made a, a follow up. Uh, first half is kind of a mixed bag. Uh, you can tell that some of them had some money to work with and some of them most certainly did not. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked the stuff with, with Jax and Sonya and Kano. I had fun with that. Uh, some of the stuff with the, the Lin Kuei, the, the cyber Lin Kuei, the, the cyborgs, um, that was kind of interesting as well, but kind of a mixed bag, but it's kind of neat that they did that, especially since Street Fighter kind of aped them, and they did their own like web series as well called uh, Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, um, which is actually pretty good. Um, like it, it adheres really strictly to the, the canon of the video games. All the characters are done right. Um, I would recommend checking that out if you're at all interested in that kind of thing. Um, but I, I can tell that Mortal Kombat Annihilation is going to be hard to talk about because we're finding excuses to talk yeah, about, ev yeah. about everything surrounding Well, it. I was going to say, we can kind of we can kind of talk about the two, like what this one did much worse than the first one. And, and Nick, if you want to highlight a few things from the first one as we go along... Feel free, feel free okay. to. I'm sure that I'm sure we're gonna highlight stuff from the first one anyway. Uh, but I'm gonna have a little some more questions about what this movie's influence on MKX specifically, and how much of this film was actually influenced by the games at this point. Um, I mean, MKX would be so many years down the road that there's probably not much connection there. MK3 was like the the new game around the time this one came out. MK4 was in the process of being promoted though. So it was like kind of looming on the horizon. In fact, that's like there's not a whole lot of production history behind this movie that's especially interesting. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that's important to keep in mind as we're talking about this is that uh, this is this suffers from a Cutthroat Island disease. <laughs> it's the movie that nobody wanted. Mm -hmm. So the story behind Cutthroat Island is it was it was a uh, Rennie Harlan and I think his uh, ex-wife at the time, uh, Gina Davis. Uh, it was the two of them making a movie. Oh, yeah, and Matt Modine was there, too, um, who I guess we might be tackling next month. Yes, we will. <laughs> Sports movie month. Um, his, like, as far as I understand, the story behind that movie was that it's not a very good movie. Uh, pirate movies were not a thing yet um, in Hollywood. Uh, but the, uh, the financing had been secured from foreign investors, uh, so they couldn't not make it. So, like, I think... Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis were in the middle of being divorced. Uh, the movie was not going well in production, but it was already going, so there was no way to stop it. It was a, it was a train that had left it left the station. 
Um, and as far as I understand, that's what happened here with Mortal Kombat Annihilation, is that it was fast-tracked because the first one was good and made a shit ton of money. Um, but the, fir- the director of the first one, Paul W.S. Anderson, wasn't interested in coming back for a sequel, at least not right away, because, hey, guess what happened? He went to do Event Horizon, and that turned out just fine. Um, so he had other stuff on his plate that he was more interested in doing, and it worked out great for him. But the studio had already pushed the whopper button, and they and they had to make a fucking movie because the finances had been secured. And not only that, we have a studio who's kind of under the thrall of a video game studio who holds the licensing uh, for the game property and whatnot, saying, hey, this movie has to come out in this time frame because we have these games coming out. Oh, yeah, all those shitty cartoons and TV series you're trying to get off the ground parallel to this shitty movie nobody wants to be making. Good luck trying to manage all that at the same time. So we have a really mismanaged production that was rushed, and no one was particularly enthusiastic about doing it, but they were obligated to do it. Um, And unfortunately, it shows, like, really bad, because nobody gives a shit about what they're doing in this movie. (laughs) No. Yeah, and not only that, like we ended up with a, a situation where because Paul W.S. Anderson walked, you know, he didn't walk off the production. He just didn't want to do it. And he was busy. Um, the, the person that they slotted in for the director's seat was the cinematographer. He was the DP for Mortal Kombat. Uh, John R. Leonetti, who, as far as I know, doesn't really have an extensive filmography as a director. He did Annabelle. But... That's his most noteworthy uh, contribution to the American film industry is Annabelle. Yeah. yeah, there's a funny connection there because I believe Annabelle um, may have been like partially financed by James Wan. I believe or at it least was. It's, conne- it's connected. It's connected to, to, his- to the Conjuring yeah. verse. Yes. Yeah. So it's connected to his his franchise, and there's a chance that this John R. Leonetti fellow might be involved in the current Mortal Kombat, which, um, funny enough, perfect timing is recently putting out you know production photos uh, so we will be getting a mortal Kombat movie in 2021 as far as i understand it's funny the people that carried over from the first movie are the ones not really trying in this movie the people that are new to this they're trying they're damnedest again this is now this is a video game movie we have two people who aren't really trying but everybody else is pretty much there it can't be as it is they're all there <laughs> yeah, no, some of I some of the excessive trying is what lends some charm to the movie. Yes. Uh, Sindel in particular is just <laughs> fabulous. I think that is the correct word. <laughs> Sindel is absolutely fabulous in this movie. She's awful. Um her her quote from the beginning of the movie has been immortalized in internet history. Kyle, do you want to fill us in on what it might be? Too bad you will die. Yes. <laughs> Mother, you're alive? Too bad you will die. <laughs> uh, oh my she plays uh she plays my favorite of all, Mr. Arles Loveless's uh latest. Uh he play she plays Munisha in Munisha. Wild, she plays Munisha in Wild Wild West. Oh, I did not know that was her. Munisha. Yeah. Munisha. <laughs> Uh, he's got a periscope up her ass. That <laughs> <laughs> dude was a pervert. Uh, uh, yeah, and a racist. Yeah, um, yeah that, mo- that movie's problematic by today's standards. It is. Yeah. So I <laughs> doubt we're going to... Uh, it's going to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I mean, if we if we do that episode, I'm going to... I'm going to 
risk having a copyright strike and just put wicked wicked wah wah on the top of the audio track. I, I, I would like I would like to do a, a Will Smith month called Make Will Smith Great Again uh, because he after a certain point his movies just went down. But I want to do highlight some of the ones that I think were decent in the bad time. Uh, that not that's not necessarily one of them, but that could be a fun one to talk about. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to? I can give a plot summary real quick of please, this film. Yeah, please. So we're coming in from Mortal Kombat One. We learn that Liu Kang defeated Shang Tsung to uh, keep Outworld from coming into the Earth realm. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of that film, Shao Kahn, the the Emperor said that uh, he's coming to take their souls. And then we learned that he has come back. Uh, the portal from Outworld to Earth to the Earth realm was supposed to be closed, but apparently, eh, it's open. So he's going to destroy the Earth in six days. And I don't know what he's going to do on the seventh day, but he's going to destroy the Earth uh, in six days. I don't know why he's got that timeline, but our group of heroes have to try and stop that, uh, fighting one of his... Uh, I guess his is Aramac in this real quick. Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't. I looked for him. I didn't see him at all. Uh, is his plethora of uh, fighters one by one? Basically, we get individual matchups in this film movie. Did you, did you say Aramac Ir- <laughs> is in this? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's in the fucking movie. I, I don't know. I looked for him. I'm like, I'm looking for Aramac. I'm not seeing. Damn Aramac. it, both. E- is he wearing Everything the red and black? you guys told me about your childhood. Yes, he's in red and black. Okay. He's in his outfit. Everybody's everybody's in their outfit. The, the, like, Ninja that outfit? was one thing they made sure to get right. Is he was the one that's like, I will get souls for you. Correct. Okay, see, I was I was expecting him to be in like a robe like the Emperor's dad is in. No, see, Kyle, you need to wind your timeline back a bit. So, MKX, he looks like a mummy with a robe. Correct. Yes, yes. With green eyes. In MK3, he was kind of like a... He, I think he was only in like Ultimate MK3. And he was just a palette swap of mm-hmm. Sub-Zero or Scorpion. So he was just anonymous red ninja that had green shit that he'd throw at you. He was barely a developed character by then. But he existed in UMK3. I was not um, aware So his character that. design has certainly come quite a long way. Probably because they got wise to the fact that it's like, hey, he looks like a boring red ninja. We already have a cool yellow and blue ninja. Maybe we should work on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, the two of you were basically telling me you were raised by ninjas. You should be able to pick up on this stuff. <laughs> Kyle nods his head. Like, yeah, we, we kind of were raised by ninjas. <laughs> like, I mean, Three ninjas, surf ninjas, ninja turtles, power rangers, this shit. Crawling with ninjas. <laughs> okay, well, was he the one that he killed, though? Who was the guy that he killed when they did their job? Like, he was, like... In that their... would be Rain. Okay, Rain, okay. I was like, who? why did you kill him? He was doing his job. I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he killed he killed the purple ninja, Rain. Rain. Uh, in the games, as far as I know, uh, he actually recently found his way into MK11. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with a totally different character design. I don't think he's in MKX, but he's in MK9. Um, and kind of a popular character, actually. He's come quite a long way. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, parallels established between him and uh, Prince, uh, the artist formerly known as Prince. Um, and, yeah, I, he's recently been added to the roster. Well, 
maybe like six months ago or something in MK11. Uh, but yeah, he's here to uh, get uh, the number two treatment. Or <laughs> um, who who is the fe- who did Will Ferrell play in Austin Powers? Basically, he gets that treatment. Mustafa. <laughs> Mustafa. Yeah, he he was he's the Mustafa of of this movie, where he's just there for the the bigger, badder guy to kick down a fire pit. Yes. Do you think he was down there saying, I've been really badly burned? <laughs> I mean, have you seen how much punishment these Mortal Kombat characters can take? I'm sure he's just fine. He's just stuck. He can't get out. <laughs> I'm just very badly burned. So yeah, so um, I think that the person that's doing the best in this film gives us our, our best line in the opening sequence is uh, Washington native Brian Thompson. Is his name Brian Thompson? Brian Thompson, hometown hero. <laughs> I think that he's the best part of the film, uh, the movie. Uh, he's the best part of the movie. I think that his take on Shao Kahn is over the top and a lot of fun, but his it is glorious. Uh, the way his, the way his voice trembles is a lot of fun in this movie. Yes, uh, he is going very big, very loud, very Shakespearean almost. Like he he is playing to the cheap seats. Like he he's doing a stagey performance and he's trying to have fun with it. It is, an and that's off, something off that not everybody Broadway. in the cast is doing. It's, yeah, it's, it's off, a, off it's Shakespeare in the park. Yeah, it's Shakespeare <laughs> in the park. <laughs> but I appreciate his effort though, because. I mean, the guy showed up in shape, that's for sure. He always does. He's Brian fucking Thompson, hometown hero. Um, But yeah, in terms of like his acting performance, he's he's going for a certain level of campiness and hamminess that it's not good, but it's effort. And I appreciate that he recognizes that he's on the set of, you know, he's on a styrofoam staircase made to look like a brick pyramid or something. And he's trying to make the fucking most of it. The helmet doesn't fit right, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm an actor. I need to. I need to make the most of it. He's fortunate. He's actually one of the. He's in the X Files for a couple of episodes. He has a reoccurring character a couple times. Uh, he is one of the best episodes. One of my favorite X Files episodes. So I always. I'm always glad when he comes up. I'm like, you know what? You had a good X Files episode. That you're lucky because not all of them are. Uh, not all of them are winners. <laughs> It's kind of interesting to see his interpretation of Shao Kahn as compared to, like, Shao Kahn from, like, contemporary Shao Kahn from 1997 and, like, MK11 Shao Kahn. Because in, like, MK2 and 3, Shao Kahn was, like, the seven-foot-tall guy that, you know, the costume is pretty janky. Actually, that's, like, one of the biggest complaints I remember all the kids on the playground having about this movie is just, in general, like, the costuming... And the props, something about them, even though the budget was greater, everything looks shittier. Especially the costumes. Like like nothing like none of the ninjas actually look right. Like if you look at the costumes in the first MK, yeah, they're a little bit hokey, but they're pretty solid and they, they have a, a weightiness to them that feels, you know, kinda true to life. But in this it's like, yeah, that that's just some fo- foam pads slotted under a vest. It, it it looks cheap. And the sets look even cheaper. Um but like Shao Kahn, the, they got the basic idea of his costume. Um, Brian Thompson is unfortunately not seven feet tall. Very few people are. Uh, the helmet looks like trash. That skull helmet looks like ass. I'm, I'm, it's kind of like the uh, Marvel Thor helmet where it's like 
he's seen wearing that thing for exactly like five seconds in the beginning of the first movie and that's like nope chris hemsworth <laughs> is too handsome to wear that shit <laughs> but i mean in the in the early mk games there you know wasn't a whole lot of dialogue there wasn't a whole lot of stories so shao khan was basically the guy that would knock you on your ass and taunt you constantly that was his shtick you will never win you weak pathetic fool what a dick (laughs) that was like all he did every time he knocked you down um but aside from that we didn't have much to work from in this period of time so uh to have him be so fucking wordy was a little bit surprising um but nick have you played through the story mode of mk11 yep i played through the part one and part two and uh I didn't like the way they treated him, even though like I never played the old games with Shao Kahn. Just what they did with him in this game, I was like, I don't like that. Because it's like he's, it's almost like he's set up to be this, the bad guy, like above Shang Tsung. But yet he's just like, he's taken out, well, spoilers, he's taken out no problem. And I'm just like, this isn't fun. Like, this isn't right. <laughs> I like his design in the game actually a whole lot better than... Um, whatever his name is, uh, Brian said Brian Thompson. I kind of like that yeah. almost not quite man more monster than than man. Yeah, he has almost like a reptilian quality to him mm-hmm. in, in MK11, um, whereas in the other ones, because they you know were doing things with the basically the video captured uh, performances and whatnot, um, they were drawing over people for sure. Like Baraka was done yeah. by just like hand drawing over frames of live footage of an actor and whatnot but uh shao khan never had a face in the old games um but because of like the x-ray attacks Mm -hmm. in mk11 and stuff we we get to see him like what he looks like underneath the skull mask and uh he does have like kind of a curious like um, almost like a dragon thing going on and like he has orange eyes or something um I kind of just like the big roided out skull face guy, to be honest. Like, it's, it's stupid, but I kind of prefer that because I think of him as being a fairly simple, just like, you know, totalitarian villain. Um, but MK11, you're totally right. He gets humbled so many fucking times in that game. It yeah. gets embarrassing. It's, it's like, like, dude, you're the big bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you're the bad guy. You're, <laughs> you're weak. Yeah, he, he, you will never win. <laughs> like, yes, Shao Kahn, you never will because we've had so many villains in between you, none of which were actually as cool as him. Some right. of the villains in that PS in that PS2 and GameCube era of the franchise are some of the, the worst fucking shit you can fucking imagine. It's like, it's just like, hey, it's a molten guy with claws, and hey, it's a dragon guy that's like big and doesn't have any moves. It's like, wow, that's unique. I've never seen that before in a video game. Right. <laughs> At least Shao Kahn had personality in the form of those taunts and stuff and he actually had kind of a cool move set where he has like the shoulder charge and uh, the spear and the hammer both of which came back for mk11 um but nick what what would you say about brian thompson's performance do you do you think he made something of it or do you, are you disappointed or because i mean he's the he's the character you play man <laughs> you know yeah and I, I didn't like it i just watched it today and i was like i i want I want the MK11 Shao Kahn in the movie rather than this guy. I, I don't know why. I, I just I'm more partial to, you know, if he's the he's the emperor, he's the guy in charge. I think he he's got to be more than just a guy, more than just this bald guy. It's got to be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be something. 
And so I, I was like, I don't like, I don't like this. No, I did not like it. Well, they they also kind of handicapped him by having uh, him be playing second fiddle to a greater villain, because uh, he has a father character in M- in MK Annihilation the movie, uh, who is called Shinnok in the cast, mm. um, which contradicts the the game lore as far as I know. Shinnok is like the lord of Outworld. He's like a elder god of death. And as far as I know, he doesn't really have a connection to Shao Kahn or Raiden for that matter. Nor nor am I certain that Shao Kahn and Raiden have a connection, which yeah. is also an element of this movie. Uh, so that's all sorts of fucky with, with the lore and whatnot, you know, like, like anyone cares. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but having, having him constantly answering to a character that he's calling father, who is also like a half fucking foot taller than him, really diminishes his menace level. Father! Yeah. Yeah, Father, Earth is under attack, and it is glorious. <laughs> That's great. I fucking love it. Well, doesn't he get beat in the first fight? He actually he gets kind of slapped around by Raiden for a minute there. Well, like he does have to resort to cheating. Yeah, he does have to grab Johnny. So yeah, he doesn't have a good showing in this movie. He is not. He is not in wrestling parlance booked to be strong. <laughs> he needs a foreign instrument. He needs the equalizer. He needs to grab that steel chair to measure up to Raiden. <laughs> Maybe it's kind of like when Dave Batista tried to do MMA, and then he was gassed after like 30... I've never seen somebody get gassed that fast. It was insane. That was embarrassing. It was bad. Oh, uh, to- uh, side note, uh, Hopthor Bjornsson, uh, the mountain, recently had a boxing match. Whoa. Um, he-, he did make it to the final bell without passing the fuck out <laughs> um, well, but i don't think he landed a single punch <laughs> heavyweight i'm guessing <laughs> i mean I, they may have to invent a new weight class for him generally heavyweight is thought of as like it's like 200 plus basically um but when you have a 400 pounder or whatever walking around in there maybe you need to rethink that <laughs> he's got the hip strength of a fucking rhinoceros yeah you can't you can't be messing with no, that it, he'll break far, your fucking as neck as far as as far as uh, sports to pivot into, that would not be the one I would pick for that man. No, he, I, have you have you seen him walk downstairs? The the house he shakes. does. He, yeah, he, no, he he does so very gingerly because a human body is not meant to support that much muscle and weight. Like his bone structure is not meant for that. See, so like when you watch him go downstairs, he's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> so I think he should get into Olympic lifting. Uh, he would have to cut weight to get into like a certain weight class, but with his power, I'm like yeah, he could be setting records uh, easily. But I digress. Uh, I think we could kind of highlight the film by the different fights because that's really like like just going through like that's the only thing that's really happening in this movie because plot <laughs> is a big old back seat in this one yeah this is all gas no brakes all <laughs> gas no brakes <laughs> the movie <laughs> yeah. wait what is that what did jackson Stone talk about like honestly don't worry new character about we're, we're just gonna keep going just <laughs> well i mean like just just to throw it out there right now seems like a good enough opportunity the script is so bad for this movie and the production is so mismanaged that there are elements inserted into the narrative that are just completely forgotten part way through like a lot of emphasis is put on there being three challenges for Liu Kang I think I only counted like one <laughs> if I, that I actually had like more one f- and a half maybe <laughs> I had more fun trying to identify people in this movie there's two that I didn't realize were in this movie I'm excited to talk about one Trevor you're not you actually you'll both know um 
The my least favorite fight of this film is easily uh, smoke. The smoke fight. Ooh, yeah, that that one's pretty bad. So this would be cyber smoke. So the the cyber Lin Kuei initiative has happened. Yeah, uh, MK3 was the newest game around then. So the cyborgs were kind of popular. I mean, gotcha. I mean, who the fuck who the fuck came up with that? Whoever they are, they're brilliant. So it's like let's take the predator, merge him with RoboCop, and the Terminator, and a ninja. All the kids are gonna go nuts for it, and they did because all my friends picked the the cyber ninjas. Their noses the, are gonna MK3. bleed from an over yes. Like, it's gonna be too <laughs> much stimulation. Over sti- yeah. It's all it's all four. It's a robot predator terminator ninja. Oh. <laughs> my favorite was Cyrax. Um, none of them are made to look particularly cool in this movie, um, but yeah, Smoke was pretty pitiful in this. Uh, it's it's really. Sl- I mean, I'm going to say this about every fight that's in the movie. It's very sloppy. Uh, it's, it's not very well coordinated. Uh, the techno is not good techno. Uh, no. It's like loud, angry, loud, angry techno, and it's really distracting and obnoxious, um, especially because the energy of the music far outclasses the energy of what's happening on the screen, so it makes them look even dumber. Where it's like, you know, what Kitana just did, that's really easy. You know, she just kind of did like a half pirouette. It's like, I could do that. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it makes it that much less impressive when it's in slow motion and the music is going fucking ape shit in the background. Um, and there's also this really obnoxious pattern of having one character from the game show up, beat the shit out of someone for a few minutes, inexplicably lose because the movie has to move forward from there but in the meantime there's always a sidekick character who gets paired up with just shirtless anonymous ninja guys it's like do they have to do that why can't we just have like a two-on-one or something like why are there always just like why is the goon squad always showing up because you can tell like from an audience engagement standpoint i'm a lot more interested in seeing what smoke has to do than i am with watching kitana you know slap fight the goon squad what was your favorite uh, fights from the first movie? If you could, uh, if you can name one. Uh, Nick, do you want to take that one first? Oh yeah, being uh, as you didn't have a chance to express that on the episode. Reptile, reptile was my favorite fight in the first one, uh, definitely. I just felt like it was more intense than the others, and then he does his bicycle kick. Yeah, and I like I like reptile's energy too. He was very. I don't know. I just I really like that one. But Cyrax was my favorite in this one. Uh, I don't know why. I think I'm just uh, I'm a sucker for yellow robots, cyborgs. Excuse me. I guess. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's be proper here. Except for his cocaine over overdose death, I didn't like that part. But everything else was good. Uh, I was gonna say I think the, from the first one, Scorpion, because I like uh, I like them Johnny Cage going to to hell in that one basically. Uh, I was. I bring that up because I was disappointed in uh, in the next one, which was uh, Sub Zero comes up, but Scorpion comes back in, which was really disappointing. Uh, did you know who plays Sub Zero? Either of you? I do. I did. I do because of the eyebrows. That's yeah. the key thing to notice. Um, so this would be uh, well, actually Kyle. You you were the one who posed the question. You go yeah. ahead and share. It's actually Keith Cook. Uh, he's a stunt. He's a stuntman. I think he may have did some stunt coordination for this film. Uh, and he, Nick, you'll remember him possibly if you remember the movie Beverly Hills Ninja, 
Uh, he is the <laughs> side. He's the the number two bad guy in that. He's the short guy that fucks people up. Yes. Now that you say that, I'm like eyebrows. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. I know exactly who that. There's is. another one yeah. in here that might blow your mind too. We'll yeah, get we'll, to it. we'll get to that. Yeah, but um, Keith Cook also played Reptile in the first Mortal Kombat. Um, like I said, eyebrows. Mm-hmm. You can see it even through the mask. <laughs> but I always thought that was kind of a neat detail because actually that's a huge part of what always attracts me to stunts in movies. Is that it's a pretty tightly knit circle, um, and the film industry is all about connections and whatnot. And Anytime you can take bumps with somebody that you know or somebody that you've worked with before, actors and directors will jump at that chance. Um, so I'm guessing what happened here was more than likely Robin Show and Keith Cook, you know, having worked on the first Mortal Kombat, were like, hey, if I'm going to, you know, trade blows with someone again, it may as well be this guy who I've done it with before. And, you know, we did the best scene in the previous movie. Um, so it's kind of neat seeing him show up again as a totally different character, but this time he gets to show his whole face. Um, I always thought he looked like Asian Nick Cage. That's just me. <laughs> but it's just something about the eyebrows and the cheekbones. It just it matches up in my head. But um, this would be like good guy Sub-Zero. So this would be the MK3 version of Sub-Zero. I forget the names of the Sub-Zeros, but like one of them is Bihan. Um, I forget the other one, but one becomes Noob Saibot. Um, but this is like good guy Sub-Zero uh, who is not out to kill Liu Kang. He's uh, trying to save him and Kitana because apparently she there's some prophecy saying like she's the way that they can defeat Outworld, like prevent Outworld from invading Earthrealm, essentially. Um, and the cyborgs were apparently after him, but now they've been reprogrammed to go after her. So he shows up to help out. And uh, yeah, he has a little throwdown with Scorpion. And like Kyle had said, Scorpion was number one if num- if not number two best scenes in the first film so every all the kids in the audience are like oh what's going to happen here yeah. we have scorpion and sub-zero who if you know the games at all know you know that they have beef together and that's like kind of an average fight <laughs> barely anything yeah yeah but what's especially disappointing at least for me anyway is uh, to know that a lot of the uh the ninja characters like people who don't get to show their face in this movie are played by a fellow named jj perry um who in the 90s was doing a lot of just like anonymous stunt work like get kicked in face fall down kind of stuff um but very shortly after this he would become like one of the foremost stunt coordinators and choreographers in the industry going like these days he's behind the camera for a lot of really big productions now um to see to see him do this kind of work in the 90s it's like wow come a long way buddy <laughs> uh before we get into the fights i feel like i completely glossed over uh something that's very important in this film and that is the lack of raiden uh lacking meaning uh whoever this guy i can't remember this guy's name james uh, remar james remar doing an awful absolutely terrible actually he's doing less as raiden than Liu kang and uh what's her face uh, Katana combined. Yeah, like, those two actors combined, he could not give a fuck t- at all to be doing this. Yeah, uh, Raiden, I- I've always kind of had a soft spot for just the character. A lot of that may have come from Christopher Lambert's performance in the first <laughs> film, because he he's so charming. Yeah. He has, like, very curious accent that's very hard to pin down. 
and that that chuckle that <laughs> it's 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 so memorable it's kind of perfect um yeah james remar kind of he kind of tries but i actually kind of like some of the stuff he does when he gives up his powers when he like abdicates his position as the god yeah. of lightning because he has like kind of a goofy way about him where he's like he seems like unperturbed by everything that's happening. He's like, "What's the deal with your arms?" <laughs> so, like, he's like kind of chummy with everybody. And it's like he goes from being like this entity that's above them, and now he's just kind of like one of them. I like he's, Jack's he, reaction. Like, Five minutes, yeah. you're asking about my arms. Like you starting with that? Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick and I were talking before, talking before we started recording. I'm like, I actually like the dude who's playing Jacks. He was a he was a former football player that turned actor. Uh, he's more than that, Kyle. <laughs> he is more than that. So American Gladiator. Um, yes, we have two of them in this film, but he's not the best one. <laughs> like Darren McBee is the best gladiator that has ever gladiated. Um, Malibu. That's, that's Malibu. <laughs> that is Malibu. No kidding. That's nuts. <laughs> I didn't realize Malibu, that was Malibu. is the. F- Malibu is the fucking man. Oh. <laughs> I, I, like Malibu just makes me smile when he shows up in movies and stuff. Because what's kind of neat about him is obviously he's like a crazy bodybuilder dude that had a surfer dude hairdo back in the day. Uh, he's kind of scaled that back in recent days, as far as I know. Uh, but you can tell deep down he's probably like Dave Bautista, where he's just like a super big nerd. Um, he's probably not super outspoken about it like when it comes to casting gigs and stuff but his filmography suggests that yeah he's just a big nerd <laughs> he's like he's super fit and stuff but it doesn't mean he doesn't play D&D in the basement with his friends because like he did like that uh, Dragon Strike VHS board game he did the video for that and he did a couple of Sega CD games or whatever where it, it, he's like a vampire hunter and shit <laughs> like he, he does this kind of hokey bullshit and it's kind of neat seeing a guy that you would not expect to be into that kind of stuff, like have tons of it on his resume. But yeah, I actually didn't mind Jax too much. Although I want to say it, he I, he felt uncomfortable like with his dialogue or something. Like I want to say somebody was asking him to, to do something with his delivery and stuff that he was just like, I disagree, but I'm going to do what you asked, but I'm going to do a shit job of it. He just felt a little uncertain with some of his line deliveries. Um, but obviously the physicality was there and personality was fine. Like he, he's, he's he, Jack. He didn't. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a guy who's played a lot of video games. And he's uh, he, he doesn't really sit around on the couch too much. Seems like he's pretty fit. Pretty <laughs> active guy. Pretty yeah. active. <laughs> Sets a lot of short term goals, you know. <laughs> One of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> The, the Cyrax fight, um, so being as we're talking about Jax, um, apparently that was a, a big problem with the production. And in fact, like one of the biggest problems with this production was, um, like I said, it was mismanaged. And a lot of that came in the form of uh, location shooting, um, as opposed to things like props and costumes and choreography and stuff, like allotting time to do all that really, really well. Um, if you notice, there's a lot of landscape shots in this movie. They're actually legit fucking gorgeous like they they went to jordan to film the temple that's in the the indiana jones and the last crusade and stuff i think they went to israel at some point they went to like four different locations on the globe for mortal combat (laughs) annihilation (laughs) it just sounds and it 
And what was supposed to happen in that scene, apparently in the script, was Jax was supposed to have been taken prison, like taken prisoner in like Outworld or something. And it was supposed to be a prison break sequence that was supposed to like take place in a big dungeon. It was supposed to be this tr- thrilling escape sequence, but instead we just get this like random lab in the middle of Hawaii for some reason. <laughs> And for some reason, no one is working there today while while we have a man under anesthesia. <laughs> it was so fucking weird. It didn't make any sense. It's kind of like Sidley and Murphy at the beginning of 28 Days Later. He just kind of wakes up and like, oh, shit. He, would, he, wouldn't, have wake, he wouldn't have awoken if Sonya hadn't shown up. Yeah. Like, he would have slept through the six days. <laughs> like, Shao yeah. Kahn would have conquered Earth, and he he still would be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so- Sonya, like, breaks in. I, we have these things called velospheres in this movie, where it's literally the hollow Earth, um, which does actually seem kind of Mortal Kombat-ish. But it's basically, like, speaking of American gladiators like yeah. a hamster ball that you you fly through the center of the earth with and you can travel to the other side of the planet in an instant and uh some of the special effects oh. yeah can we talk yes. about special Please. effects yeah so we were kind of i think we were kind of harsh on the first movie uh like uh, the, the spe- like I said before like you have to take special effects with a grain of salt you have to kind of appreciate the time that they were being used in uh I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen too. I think they've tried to utilize too much special effects in the movie because it is bad. I think the worst are the three ninjas that that come down, uh, come down the stone wall and then just appear. When they appear, it's worse than Spawn. Like it, it is bad. bad. Spawn was like state of the art for its time. Oof. Like it, it, there's there's those kind of shots, but like. Nick, be be thinking, because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you when I'm done here. But like, think of like the worst special effect that you can think of that you saw in this movie. And there's a lot of them, so I know it may take a little while to come up with an answer. But um, for me, maybe the worst was, and this is a horrible idea from a filmmaking standpoint. At least, uh, actually, like from the perspective of a gamer, uh, this is the worst thing you could possibly do. Because like one thing I've always thought was interesting about video games, like at least back in the day was that the the first level of most video games was usually your tone setter and a lot of times like the first level would be pretty close to the best level of any game you played and a lot of that i think had to do with like it needs to hook you like they need to find a way to get you to like want to dig into the game and see more of it so we need to open really really strong i mean the same should be the case with any movie however in mk annihilation the opening minutes of this movie I mean, we start okay, because we get a clip show, a recap of the first movie, and we're like, yeah, I remember that movie. It was pretty fucking cool. I, I had a good time with that. And then we get this new movie, <laughs> and every fucking shot, the sky. The sky is the worst effect in this whole fucking movie, and it's the first fucking thing we see, because it's just like, they just filmed outdoors, as you normally would, and they said, fix it in post. So they have this, this horrible, like, not even green screened. It's just they just kind of like on a hope and a prayer, on a wing and a prayer. They just said, fix it in the fucking computer. Make that blue sky purple. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1997, goddammit, we can't do that. Fix it! So it's going to look yeah. all sorts of jank. People are going to have weird fucking pixels on the edges of their face. 
and ninjas are gonna fall from the sky for no fucking reason. <laughs> I, I, and every once in a while, it yeah. just you you can like see the texture maps like twisting <laughs> and, and deforming in the sky, and it just looks so fucking bad. I think when Mator when, when Mataro comes in, that's when it like I think that was the shot that really does it. It's just like oh, that looks bad, really bad. Oh, you mean when you can see his uh his tail like kind of slightly detached from his body every couple seconds. <laughs> But Nick, do you have any idea what you would say is close oh. to, if not the worst shot in the whole movie? Oh yeah, I wrote down my favorites, but I just wanted to backtrack to what you were saying, kind of like back to the sky. Is I was telling Kyle, I said I think this was the first movie when I was a kid. It's it's it was my first taste of sequel disappointment, where as soon as, as like it starts up, it's like oh yeah, uh, I recognize the song. Oh yeah, I feel the energy. Boom, and you look at pe the cast and it's like wait those aren't the same guys and then Johnny Cage's one and only line is this is not good and then he gets his neck broken and I'm like okay this is like even when I was a kid I'm like I know this is not good <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, my favorite parts were when it was the Scorpion and Sub-Zero fight and Liu Kang is trying to jump away from the missile so he goes up and he does his flip oh but he it's not a flip he he does like half of the flip and then his body just like flies up what? <laughs> and i was like where did he go <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the the end of it is when scorpion uh kidnaps katana and he yells, suckers! And then he goes, like, vanishes like, <laughs> purple ooze from the Power Rangers movie. I'm like, that, those, yeah. those were standouts for me right off the bat. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Su suckers! <laughs> is, is pretty fucking incredible, especially because they, they got Ed Boon to do the voice. So just like in the first movie and pretty much all the games, Scorpion is the father of MK, uh, Ed Boon's voice. But just the fact that he went into the recording booth and it wasn't like someone else or like a production assistant or something or like a last minute addition to the movie. They actually got the Scorpion guy yeah. to say that line. And then you're right. It did look like Ivan Ooze just like yanked him yep. into his dimension or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that wi the wire work in this movie is questionable at times for sure. Liu Kang being yanked out of the frame is pretty fucking <laughs> <laughs> are we ever going to do the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie I mean I'd be down I feel like that could be a fun one to talk about of course I mean that movie is like the mid 90s in bottle form like, <laughs> like it, it, it touches so much of like I don't know the key elements of the media that I was being bombarded with in my childhood it's like it's embarrassing to look back on, but it's also like a really efficient way of coming back to all of it and just be like, yeah, that's the way the world was. That's that's the, that was everything. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> like everything was garish colors and like happy rap and <laughs> like and uh, yeah, ninjas and juice bars. <laughs> that was life. <laughs> I didn't know Belloc uh, played Ivan Ooze. No way. Oh, I didn't know that either. Uh, Belloc from Indiana Jones. Yeah, I, I know Belloc. Uh, I mean, Nick, Nick, was, Nick was lost. <laughs> he plays uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
Yeah, he plays Ivan News. That's crazy, right? <laughs> Been having a lot of those lately. Yeah, Kyle. yeah. I'm glad you looked those up while we're talking. Boom. Yeah, I watched that clip of uh, Dad, go save yourself. And uh, he's. Uh, it's so hard to pick him out, but it, it is him. It, it, it is him. Uh, yeah, I think the worst parts of the movie are the round table meetings, I would say. I mean, there's some corny, corny exchanges at the round table meetings where it's just like the bad people with crazy eyes just kind of talking shit to each other a little bit. Uh, but you'd mentioned um, the, the Emperor's dad. Uh, what did you think about their dynamic, like their exchanges? Because they were a little silly. Uh, so you mean Reiner shown as... Uh, quote unquote Shinnok. Yes. Um, it was bugging me because it, it felt very Star Warsy, where it's like you have a Darth Vader and you have an Emperor Palpatine. It's like, okay, there's the bad guy who does all the punching, and then there's the guy with the big dark robe who's actually in control and stuff. Um, and it just overcomplicated the plot a lot, where we have a lot of fucking political bullshit going on with Elder Gods and rules and raiden trying to figure out some shit and like lobby voters and stuff behind <laughs> him it's like, it's, it, he it, is lobbying like, to, voters <laughs> yeah and like to to complete the star wars reference it, it's very similar to like the star wars episode one where it's like do we really need to see all the senate shit when we have plenty of robots right over there it's like nope the senate is the most important it's the lifeblood of the franchise <laughs> god damn it 30 minutes on a pod race and then another 10 or 20 on oh, the gosh. trade federation yeah yeah so it it tells you where george lucas's head was at where it's like i got some feelings about politics and i like cars did you know that's all (laughs) there's a subculture of people that like the prequels equally it's growing it's growing it's insane it's because we're getting old kyle (laughs) because those movies were made for children and now those children have access to the internet and type a lot (laughs) <laughs> uh, what did you think about Nightwolf? And this is the other casting choice I was going to ask you if you knew about. Uh, I had very little feelings about him. Uh, he's here to turn into a very shitty, well, transform from a very shitty wolf effect. Uh, exposit some really clunky dialogue, and then he throws a fucking axe into Liu Kang's face, which I thought was hilarious. Because I was like, that's... That's one way to put someone to sleep. You know, there's always choking someone or something, too. But, you know, sure, your way works, too. <laughs> uh, he is Lightfoot. Uh, he played... He's a Native American gentleman. Uh, he played uh, uh, Little Bear in uh, Indian in the Cupboard. Mm-hmm. That's really? What, that's yeah. what I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, I haven't seen that movie since it came out. We watched that one quite a few times. Yeah, we did. Okay. Probably pretty boring. That book was really, really, really popular when I was a kid. Um, the I think the school actually like made a thing of exposing us to it. Um, that but th- that's one of those movies that the trailer has like, like they do a trailer, but it none of the movie is in it. Like they give you this idea of what the movie's about, but the trailer ha- like has nothing from the film. They made sure to put that T Rex in the trailer. <laughs> that T Rex is in exactly like one or two shots of the whole movie. Because it's when the brother or whatever exploits the cupboard. Mm. Um, but that, that T-Rex and, like, cowboy and, mili- and G.I. Joe scene, it was all over that trailer. I'm thinking <laughs> of it from, like, the VHS. Like, the, the VHS coming, like, up-and-coming film that they just hadn't finished shooting, I guess. There probably were I multiple can, trailers. 
I can hear that starburst sound effect that all the Disney trailers had. Yeah. <laughs> and they had the happy Coming soon announcer. To theaters. Yeah, they they had the happy announcer instead of Don DeLaFontaine. <laughs> Have you ever seen that video of like those it was like three or four guys um, riding in a limo together? It's spectacular. It's like the foremost uh, trailer narration guys. Oh like, no. The people who did all the in a world. Like he's in there. But there's like three other guys. There's the happy guy who does all the Disney stuff from the 90s and whatnot. And then there's like two other guys that did like thrillers and sci-fi movies and stuff. Uh, strictly and like, like short- strictly Michael Douglas movies. He is going to have sex with her. No, I promise you, he is going to have sex with her. And he's married to not her. <laughs> You just made every trailer of Michael every Douglas's Michael in the 90s. Douglas movie before two thousand one was that. <laughs> but anyway, that video is really charming because it's like all of them doing their voices and just like having normal conversation with each other. It's it's very charming. I forget what it's called, but mm. if if you are interested, look it up. Well, I wanted to mention um, this character because this is where we get I introduced the idea of the animality, uh, which might possibly be my favorite CGI in the film, uh, I'd have to say. I think that probably is my favorite, is Liu Kang's animality at the end. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate, Kyle? <laughs> so, Liu Kang's animality at the end, uh, I think the transformation is uh, it's pretty bad, but uh, apparently his uh, animality is a dragon. Uh, he turns into a dragon. Uh I don't even know what to compare it to. It's it's absolutely terrible, but it's really fun to look at. Uh, it I, can't, I don't know what to compare it to. It's it's very unique in its garbageness. It reminds it reminds <laughs> it me is. of the spawn, uh, like the like the hell segments where like the demons and stuff. It reminds me of those. Well, see, I like when the clown turns into his like ugliness. We do a little bit of CGI in that film, but I think we also have like a like a puppet or, or some some kind at certain points. We did not do that in this movie. There is zero puppets in this one. Goro, I personally think was a really awesome puppet from the first movie. I'm not sure about any other puppets really, but yeah, there's none in this movie. Yeah, uh, CGI is a tool. It has its. It has its proper usage, and they they did not use it. Like Kyle had said, some of the special effects are overdone in this movie, where there's a lot of instances where it's like, maybe just cut that out or find a better way. Uh, Cut it out. Um, out. Maybe the most glaring example that comes to mind is the the giant meat creature that appears twice in the film for no reason whatsoever. No reason. Um, It appears... It appears during the Melina and, and Sonya fight in the aftermath of it. It just shows up so Jax can punch it in the ass and then it just <laughs> descends into the, into the bowels of the earth. The hooker, yeah, you the, ass There's a, an entire shot yeah. dedicated to him punching yes. it in the fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he, he gives it a he d- gives it a Superman punch and it, it just says, peace, I'm out. Ass punch. And they didn't... My only weakness. <laughs> And then it shows up one more time, suddenly in Shao Kahn's castle, yeah. and it, it eats Jade. And it's one of those things, it's like, A, what the fuck is that? <laughs> B, why is that? And, and C, why is it in the movie? Can we talk about Jade's character? Because uh, I think she's probably the most annoying uh, Real quick, though, I, I want to 
I want to keep on the CGI. Oh, I'm sorry, keep going. Because the animality stuff cannot be glossed over. <laughs> it absolutely cannot. Animality. I don't get it. I don't get the animality. <laughs> I, was it a part of the game? I know they had like their babalities and their 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 different things that they had done at the time. Did they have it in the games? They did. Okay. In, in MK3, we had animalities. Everybody turned into an animal, usually a poorly rendered one. Some of the they were equivalent to fatalities, where they turn into an animal and kill you in some way. Some of them were kind of clever. Some of them were utterly ridiculous. Uh, all of them were dumb. <laughs> but it was a thing because the whole thing about MK games, uh, for I guess it's a tradition at this point, is uh, in terms of content they jam those games full of stuff like mk2 i think was the first one that had the uh the little icons at the bottom of the screen on the versus screen where you could type in like button combinations and it would like modify the gameplay in some fashion so like stuff like big head mode and stuff like that and like secret characters and stuff like secret characters have been a huge part of the franchise since day one um, but even in like MK11 now we have things like the crypt and stuff. Yeah. Where those games are always packed to the gills with content. It's like a long-standing tradition. And in MK3, one of the things they figured it would be fun to add. It doesn't really add anything to the game in terms of value, but it's an extra element is animalities. And Liu Kang famously, like even to this day, uh, he still kind of has a version of it. Um, his uh, what do they call the super combos in MK11? Because in MKX, they're called X-rays. I don't know what... Uh, fatal Blow, fatal, I think, is yeah, what they're called. It's fa- I get those mixed up with Crushing Blow, but yeah, it's Fatal Blow. Yeah, Crushing Blows are the ones you need to meet like certain criteria oh, like counters, during the fight yeah, to achieve. Yeah. yeah, and then I think it's called a Fatal Blow. When your health is low, you just hit the two buttons. and It's basically, in Street Fighter terminology, would be a super combo. Yeah. It's just a, a single attack that it connects once and that does a shit ton of damage. Uh, it's, a, it's a comeback mechanic. It's really useful for beginners especially. Um, keep that in mind, Kyle, when you get to play Nick. Um, just When you see that fatal blow pop up, just <laughs> both the triggers and let him have it. You will win at least one round that way. That's I true, yeah. <laughs> but... No, no. Um, but in uh, Liu Kang's case, one of his most famous fatalities that he's carried with him uh, over the years has been him turning into a dragon. Mm-hmm. Since MK2, before we had animalities, I believe his animality is still a dragon in 3, um, but in MK11, his fatal blow, he summons a dragon. Um, I don't think he ever turns into one in MK11. But um, So there is a reason for an animality to be in the movie, but it didn't need to be like the big super-duper secret weapon thing. Like the special, the equivalent of like the crane kick from Karate Kid. It didn't need to be that, especially when the special effects could not deliver. Where it's like, so you mean you tease this thing halfway through the movie, so all the kids are getting hyped. Oh, animality, I think he's going to turn into a fucking dragon. And then when he turns into the dragon, there's a reason Kyle has been at a loss for fucking words. This this thing is indescribably bad. <laughs> like, it's a particular kind of bad rendering that it really does look unlike any other CGI you have seen. Like, it looks almost... It looks like it's made of charcoal. It's a turd with teeth. <laughs> yes, it is a turd with teeth and, and these little beady eyes. And, it like, part of me actually thought it was, like, a foam muppet for a second because it moves so herky-jerky and shitty and it looks like it's porous like it looks like it's made of a black sponge (laughs) and not only that they double fucked it because it's the wrong kind of dragon there's a right kind of dragon 
Liu Kang, you know, the the Mortal Kombat symbol, you know, the dragon head. Yeah. Traditional like Chinese dragon. Yeah. You know, with the serpentine body and stuff. Like and Dragon the tiny Ball. Limbs. Like the yeah. Dragon Ball dragon. Yes. Like 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 Shenron. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. That's that's the Liu Kang dragon. Yeah. And this one it's like no, uh he's got he's got he's jacked, like he's muscular. Uh, he's got a human physiology, but he's got like gargoyle wings. It's like no, that's the wrong. Uh, those dragon. wings, those wings aren't doing shit. His body mass index is not. He, he's not going anywhere with those wings, man. That ain't happening. Well, that don't. Oh yeah, he's way too top heavy for that. Well, doesn't the fight last like thirteen seconds, and then they're like, okay, we're done with our animalities, back to normal. At, after that, it probably costs a lot. It probably costs a lot of money to render that and actually do a fight, like a long fight. So why build it up and make it like that's the end all beat? Like, that's it, if it's not even it. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. Um, it is a harebrained decision on the part of whoever was managing the production. Uh, like I said, our director was primarily a cinematographer, a director of photography, not a director of actors and full-blown productions. So maybe he was out of his depth. Uh, maybe they fudged the planning because somebody made the idea to you know fly the entire cast and crew all over the fucking planet for mortal Kombat annihilation um and again this movie had quite a bit more money to work with than the first movie which is doubly embarrassing because it looks so poor by comparison that is a very handsome movie uh by mid 90s standards on a fairly low budget this one not so much um but yeah it's just a, such a harebrained decision because like nick had said um the fight really is like 13 seconds and it's not even really a fight i think there's in in a ufc terminology one or two significant strikes landed if that <laughs> <laughs> everything else is a attempt and a in a mi- swing and a miss mm-hmm. and then they just kind of mutually fall off a temple <laughs> and then turn back to humans so we can go back to fighting it's not even the end of the fight it's the middle of the fight yeah and yet for some reason we put put all of the weight behind this is like a special thing to build up to and it's just this huge letdown that is it didn't need to be there in the first place but i don't know maybe they just didn't have time maybe it maybe it actually was more cost efficient or something i highly doubt it i want to say that they probably wasted a lot of money just attempting to render this shitty hydra versus dragon fight that it has even more st- god damn kyle you're giving me more reasons to hate this because <laughs> it, the hydra thing having shao Kahn. by the way um there's there's a still frame you can very readily find on google of brian thompson mid transformation into the hydra i'm on it <laughs> it's, it's <so> <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> he, he's going his mouth is wide open and his his forehead is like three feet tall. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but the problem with having, you know, that particular monster, like a Hydra facing off with a dragon with that shitty kind of animation is that it draws comparison to like Ray Harryhausen, like stop motion animation. Yeah. And that shit was fantastic. And, you know, as a child, I was, I grew up watching a lot of that kind of stuff. And this doesn't hold a candle to it at all yeah so it's it's just a really 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 bad choice oh then maybe i can switch to something positive for a moment uh i was gonna say i was actually impressed by how much sonya gets to fight in this movie she gets to fight quite a few times before she just gets kicked in the stomach by kano and she does her 
her warming up, which was one of the goofiest things. We talked about that on the first episode where she's getting ready to fight Kano. It's like, oof. Yeah, yeah she... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Um, this actress is... Uh, she gets a lot more to do. She gets a lot more fights. And she's, I don't know if she actually does any kind of martial arts or if she has any training. But, I mean, seemed pretty competent. I, I was fine with it. I I don't know anything about their filmography. I'm not even going to click on any links or anything. Their name is Sandra Hess. I know they are Swiss. Um, that That is certainly evidenced by their accent that kind of comes and goes throughout the movie. It does pop up from time to time. It's like, again, I, I have heavyweights on the mind, apparently. Where are you from? Far away. <laughs> like, that's your answer. Um, so Sonia in this is Swiss. Um, yeah, she does have more to do. Um, everybody in this movie has more fight scenes than they did in the first one. Um, that's, like like we said, all gas, no breaks. This movie has very little dialogue. It's mostly just loud, obnoxious techno, not the good techno, and fighting. Um, her story arc seems like she was... Actually, that's a huge problem with the whole cast, is she's rewound. Um, she All the lessons that she probably learned in the first movie are forgotten, where... They just kind of like hand wave it away, but it, it's like just a offhand piece of dialogue at the very end of the movie where uh, there's supposed to be a story arc where Jax has confidence issues. That's why he has the cybernetic arms. Um, and Sonya apparently never asks for help, which kind of was a thing in the first movie, but she kind of got over that in the first movie. <laughs> so why are we back to this again? If Jax has confidence issues, then what the hell are the rest of us doing? Like, for crying out loud. The, Jax should have no confidence uh, confidence issues. He's pretty big. <laughs> he's a pretty big dude. <laughs> yeah, no, he's doing just fine in the, the physique department. But as far as I remember in, in the games, I, I think the, the arms actually were torn off yeah. um, rather than, like, sleeves that he put on just for a lark. Um, but yeah, it was nice seeing Sonya have more to do, although, um, I don't think she, I don't think she fares any better in terms of her represent, representation on screen, because I got to watch, uh, Nick do a pantomime of Bridget Wilson's, uh, warm-up routine. That was spectacular, by the way, thank you for that. <laughs> um, uh, like, like Kyle and I had said, um, her whole fight, her only fight, really, aside aside from, like, clotheslining a ninja here and there, basically remaining stationary while people run into her arms. Um, her only fight in that yes. movie is basically Kano, and the whole time she's basically trying not to fall out of her top, which is... That's got to be uncomfortable for everyone, not just her, but her especially. Uh, this this lady, at least, you know, doesn't have to deal with that low cut of a top, but she does have to do some mud wrestling, so she didn't quite make it through with all of her dignity intact. Yeah, they, they, I'm there. This mud fight, yeah, the mud fight. It could have been much worse. It could have been way more sleazy. It was done as tastefully as a mud wrestling match could be done. Tasteful mud wrestling. Okay, was she fighting Melina there? Yeah. See, that's that's kind of what disappoints me. It's like why, like they just shoehorn all the characters like you've got jade you've got melina and they're just like in and they're gone and it's like why don't you just slow that down and use some of these characters that you brought in it it just kind of i was surprised i was like why not keep them in the movie because i think melina and kitana are very closely tied like 
Are they sisters or is she a clone of her? Uh, she's a clone. Okay. Uh, as as far as I understand it, I could be wrong. I'm not. A, I'm not a MK head to the yeah, extreme, me, but me um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because as far as characters um, that they failed to do anything with, Melina is actually like maybe the top ranking one that yeah. they really fucking failed. Because she's a very popular character, mm -hmm. uh, much like Rain uh, recently appeared in MK11, by the way, um, and was very very popular in MK9 and 10 as well. Uh, she she has ties to both Shao Kahn and Kitana. Yeah, she's like pivot. She's essential to the plot of the games. Like she's really important. And in fact, she like I think at one point she kind of like takes Shao Kahn's position when he's dead. Yeah, like she's kind of in charge of shit. And yeah, her and Kitana are like they have an interesting dynamic where they're kind of sisters, but also they hate each other. And there's there's drama there for sure. But in this movie, she just appears. And what's more. We don't even see her face. Yeah. Which is like one of the most, like one of the biggest things about her character that even casual people who know nothing about MK at least probably know that about her. Yeah. And she, the mask never comes off. She just shows up randomly, has a mud wrestling fight with Sonya, and is defeated via via one of the most confusing and lame attacks I think I've ever seen. Where they're they're tumbling around in the mud. Sonya sets her up for an armbar doesn't actually lock it in and instead like kicks her in the cheek and she rolls over and just decides I'm dead. <laughs> That's what I was just trying to figure out. I was like, how does that fight end? Because I'm immediately, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks to the giant turd, other turd monster that, that uh, Jack's ass punches to death. Is that the same scene? Does it segue into that? Yes, it comes, she, that the, the turd monster shows up immediately after she passes out. Okay. And uh, her dragon tattoo, which is a thing in the movie, like that's right. That's how they're getting into the Earth realm early. Is they have a, a tattoo on them. It's they're, like it's, a, it's literally a temporary tattoo. It's a passport. <laughs> yeah, it literally is a temporary <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> but yeah, Melina is like one of the bigger letdowns for anybody who knows the games. Mm -hmm. um, very easy. This whole scene didn't have to be in the movie. Yeah. Although um, I don't know. I don't know details, but we did talk about this on the Street Fighter episode. Kyle and I did. Um, there may have been some contracts involved where the game studio may have been enforcing something about we have these characters you need to find a way to work all of them into the cast because uh, for the Street Fighter movie there were stipulations that where, that makes um, sense they did fail they did fail to meet them like they did forget to put Fei Long in there um, but for MK I wouldn't be surprised if I think the roster was up to like 23 by then and if you're being told you need to put 23 characters in, you know, a not terribly long movie that has a busted script and an incompetent director, <laughs> it's going to be rough, man. <laughs> Some stuff's not going to turn out right. It's almost like this movie was set up for failure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can it's we... almost as if that's true. Can we talk right. about the silliness that is Raiden praying to the his three questions? Oh. Yeah, that he asks. I want to say he asked more than three. He didn't. I was actually keeping count. He only asks three. Okay. Okay. It's, it's true. You not remember I'm this? Glad someone he, paid attention. He's just kind of like standing in the Middle East somewhere, and then he just kind of walks into a cave, and then he just starts praying, and then candles appear, 
And then there's like a CGI Mortal Kombat logo that he's sitting in. <laughs> and then he just talks to CGI cloud, like starbursts and stuff. Oh, yes. That's right. Because those are the Elder Gods, and they're not actually, they're nothing. They're just like actual, like either fire, water, and something else. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the fifth element. Uh, it's just... It's uh, fifth element. <laughs> no, they, they represent the elements. So we have, we have like, air, fire, and water, and they're represented just as CGI elements, so there's no physical embodiment. Although, maybe they ran out of money because they do show up as human beings later. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The, the water of, yeah, the the water effect is particularly bad because I think it was literally a tech demo for whatever software they were using. It's just like water particle effects. <laughs> we're not going to doctor it at all. No, it's There's actually really be no cool. Artistry. They've got a water particle effect. Check it out, dude. Have you ever seen anything like that? Check it out. <laughs> well, it's like when I look at like uh, when I look at like really poorly rendered titles for like a little bit of a design nerd like if i look at like really bad font work and stuff like that and i look at something and i'm like that's just the stock effect in photoshop (laughs) it's like they it's like they they put no effort into that whatsoever they just clicked a button the nick (laughs) the nick cage movie the color out of space has awful font it's like times new roman or what just whatever you can get in in word like it's bad <laughs> uh, but yeah, Raiden praying is it's again. This is him lobbying for votes with the elder gods, yeah. <laughs> and he he's told he can only ask three questions. Apparently, he abides by that. Uh, but what was really funny about this scene is they basically say, "Can't help you." <laughs> like, and they're just like, "Nope, can't do it." But then they completely renege on that and they show up later and they're like, eh, "I think we'll help you." <laughs> I do like when they ask him, "Like, are you willing to give up your immortality?" And he just like. He just, stared. <laughs> he just stares for like five seconds. And he's supposed to be pondering, but the, yeah, but it's just... He doesn't do anything. It, it, I thought it was well, pretty Kyle, silly. that's when the boom operator's like, do you smell toast? <laughs> uh, I didn't... I wanted a little bit more of the uh, the the realm merge, the the earth realm merging. Like they come out, I think after Raiden renounces his mortality, and he he just starts, you know, uh, hey, nice arms. You know, you'd probably be fine without them. Uh, like just kind of <laughs> bugging people. Uh, it's is his segue into that is is like who is this guy? It's just his arms, but he's like, all right, we're gonna go to uh, we're gonna go to Earth again, but the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge has been destroyed. It doesn't even look... It looks bad. Like, whatever this rendering is. It's it's pretty terrible. But I wish they had spent a little more time on that. And maybe just given us, like, maybe 10 to 15 seconds of just different merging shots. Quote, unquote. It, w- it would have been nice, but again, mismanaged production. And that Golden Gate Bridge was a miniature. And not a very good one. So I think even they, you know conceited as they may have been probably were wise to the fact that like oh that doesn't look good <laughs> it's like we better cut away from that real quick quick <laughs> um <laughs> but i mean the editor probably caught some flack over that it's like no less like can we cut any more frames <laughs> like i don't want it's like we need it in the movie but put as little in there as possible but yeah raiden like uses the last of his strength to like bring us to outworld for the final showdown and whatnot but by this time I think the Scooby Squad has been like completely assembled because like the whole the the pattern of the movie 
is uh, we all start out together at the Temple of Light. We actually pick up from the end of the first film, like the moment the first film ended, um, minus the Frank Welker, unfortunately. <laughs> Shao Kahn voice yeah. uh, from the end of the first yeah. movie. Um, and Shao Kahn and his goon squad show up, and Johnny Cage gets his neck broke. Uh, we all run off when we use those Velosphere things, and we split up so we can all go on our separate adventures, a.k.a punch a lot of anonymous ninjas and the occasional cyborg none of which is particularly thrilling some of the effects is are especially questionable um, when cyrax gets the kiss of death i did like that they did the kiss of death where sonia has her classic fatality where she blows you a kiss and then you explode um they found a way to this is the second time this has come up this month kyle um godzilla 1998 american godzilla when he screams and a bunch of cars explode, mm-hmm. and we're meant to believe that him breathing fire, when in actuality it's just a chain reaction caused by many cars exploding. Mm-hmm. And then Ryu and his questionable Hadouken in the Street Fighter movie, it's like, that was literally just a frame of white they slotted in. It wasn't even a special effect. Yeah, They just took a frame of white and put a shing noise over it, and that's the fireball? Okay. Uh, but we do that with Sonya's Kiss of Death, where she picks up some, like, explosive powder and blows it in Cyrax's face but the fire effect that they put on Cyrax it's not fire it's just it's just like an orange color filter they put on the film and he thrashes around and pretends to be on fire it's not even a special effect that's so fucking bad uh where was I? Oh, yeah, the the whole pattern in the movie is we all split up, we go on separate adventures and then we reunite. So I think it's like Kitana and Lou, uh, Raiden and Sonya, and then we all collect into this one group in the form of like those people plus Jax and Jade. Am I yes. missing anyway? Yes, because uh, Liu Kang had went to get uh, Katana, and he had to fight the the pig the pigmen. Uh, <laughs> the pigmen. Who I was like, this looks like a Goosebumps monster, or oh, like Baraka. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. That's Baraka? That's Baraka. Yeah. That's not a Goosebumps monster? That's, <laughs> that's canon? Well, well, I mean, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It do, It is like Goosebumps level like quality in terms of makeup effects. It's very ill-fitting in particular. Like, it, the mask doesn't fit. The arms are way too big. Uh, his shirt's all baggy. And moreover, his shirt's like clean and pressed. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like as white as my t-shirt. It's like it's not right. It's ferocious yet elegant. Is that the fight where he he like <laughs> swings from chains, like disappears, and he's like, where did he where did he go? <laughs> Where's he at? <laughs> where did that listen for the chain? Fine shirt wearing thing go. <laughs> Where'd he go? Yeah, that it's not that's, that's the scene, and somehow he's very stealthy despite you know being a hulking slobbering beast swinging on chains as Kyle <laughs> pointed out chains tend to clink and stuff like that but what's especially goofy about this scene is like Baraka is like the leader of the Tarkatan race or whatever that I believe Molina is one of as well the, the toothy toothy grin people uh, with swords in their arms um, so there's him but it's also a race of people and there are two other Baraka's in the room as well um <laughs> Baraka is never said in the movie. We're just meant to believe that that's him. Yeah. But again, looking at the costume design and the flow of the movie, it's like, do, do we really need this scene? 
Yeah. We don't, but we got it. And what's more, they didn't even finish the scene properly because the shot that they used for Baraka falling into the fire pit is literally rain falling into the same fire pit. <laughs> it's, a <laughs> it's a re it's a reused shot. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that's that's embarrassing. Guys, if you like if you gosh. pause it, it's like that is a purple ninja. <laughs> that is a purple ninja. <laughs> and then that's also where uh, Shiva eats shit too. So Shiva, Shiva and Motaro. I, I want to say uh, Motaro gets pa- paired up with Jax because they're both American gladiators. Yeah. And they probably knew each other. Like Malibu was like, "Sup, brah? <laughs> Long time no see." Jax also probably likes a challenge and like, yeah, that that horse thing. Yeah, that looks like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But I just like the connection there, where it's like they probably know each other. Yeah. They're probably okay with you know play fighting for a few days. Um, but Shiva has the the forearm effect because she's she's of Goro's breed, uh, species or whatever. Um, and I want to say the reason why they just so unceremoniously killed her was again the effects. Like they probably didn't know of a way to keep her in the movie that was easy to film because it it's it's an okay shot. Like it, like when you see her, you know, with her forearms, it, it looks okay from time to time. She has nothing to do in this movie, but it is one of those effects that if you had her doing anything complicated, like throw a punch or something, I bet it would completely fall apart. Uh, so that the birdcage thing that Kitana's being kept in, uh, they just drop it on her and she's gone. <laughs> like she, she did nothing in the movie aside from argue with Motaro and writhe. She just kind of <laughs> does this throughout the whole movie. <laughs> Idle threats. <laughs> yeah, she like that actress definitely did the ready pose from the games pretty well. The the Sonia I always called it the tummy rub where it's like <laughs> 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 Yeah, Kyle knows it. Uh I did like the the music that plays leading into the final showdown. It's like the only bit that I noticed that I'm like this is kind of good. Uh it's like a mix of techno with a little bit of rock, like, like, like with a little bit of a metal sound to it. I'm like, this isn't too bad. Yeah, they kind of use it a little bit as like Shao Kahn's theme music from time to time. Uh, there are some decent tracks on the soundtrack, but none of it happens during the fighting for the most part. Um, especially when you compare it to the first film, which had some killer fucking tracks for some of the fight scenes in particular. Same composer, George S. Clinton. Um, George S. Clinton? Just not- the Funkadelic? Yeah. I believe so, actually. The uh, Parliament the, Funkadelic. The, the, I believe so. The 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 king of electro funk. <laughs> um, I'm gonna check in on but, that. But but I believe uh, I don't know. The, the the soundtrack doesn't really measure up to the first one. No. For me personally, um, in particular, some of the music they play during that an, that 13 second animality sequence is weirdly experimental and really obnoxious. It's like someone take took some zithers or like a harpsichord and just like scrape some aluminum cans across it or something <laughs> it's going ape shit it's fucking bizarre and it it, it kind of hurts my ears but um what i think is really funny and uh is the fact that we've been talking about this whole movie and we haven't even touched at all on who are arguably our main characters and it's probably because what kyle was saying up top like they're probably some of the worst performances in the movie and that would be Liu kang and katana uh, the only two 
re- you know, returning cast members aside from the stunt crew, basically. Liu Kang is barely in the movie. Actually, it's more. It's I feel like it's more Sonya's movie. It's Sonya and Jack. So they're the ones that have the more memorable fights and sequences. Um, Liu Kang is just kind of like, I'm going to talk to this Native American dude. All right, I'm going to hang out with Jade. All right, I'm going to go get Katana real quick. All right, we're at the end, and I'm going to turn into a dragon. Like, he doesn't really do too much. Um, Raiden is just like, I'm going to go go check out something real quick. And then he's like, ask his three questions. And then he gets his hair cut. And then he's like, all right, let's go do this fight. And then he dies. Like, it, he's in and out. So... <laughs> Yeah, uh, speaking of that fight, I think that was one of the casting uh, revelations that you, I think you wanted to share with Nick there. Um, no, it was the so, it was Nightwolf. That's the one that got me. Oh, well, there's another big one that both y'all will know. Ray Park is in this film. Oh, which one? Uh, uh, so, I, if, if my eyes do not deceive me, he may have been both sides of the Raiden and the Reptile fight. Because he's listed in the credits as Reptile... But looking at the stunt double they used for James Remar, that nose <laughs> looks kind of like Ray too. Park's nose. He may have done both sides of it. <laughs> James Remar was the, like, when I was watching this, as much as I love the first one, and I didn't particularly care too much for Raiden as a kid. I mean, he wasn't my most favorite, but when I saw James Remar come in as Raiden, it ruined, like, it immediately ruined it. If they would have had just him in this movie, I think it would have been so much better. Just just a little bit it would have added a lot of dignity to the film because christopher lambert say say what you will about him as a performer he he has a he has a particular kind of delivery that like he's been in some awful movies but he's always him and i'm always happy to see him and that would that would give me something to latch on to you know and i know he would do something with the material but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you there. I think that would have elevated the, the whole production on some level, but he's gone on record saying he read the script, it wasn't shit, and he didn't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> oh, Ray <laughs> but, Park, by the way, is Darth Maul, Bub, if you didn't know. No, yeah, I was thinking about that. I, I was trying to think of the scene. Is it the scene where Raiden and uh, Goon are doing their flippy kick? Just like they're not even kicking each other, they're just flippy kicking the air? Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, just watch the scene back, drop down the audio, and go, and you'll you'll be right there. You'll know exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, I I was just gonna say the the funny part about that scene was I think the first time I ever saw this movie was probably on like a free HBO weekend or something, and that was the scene that I came in on, and I was like what are we doing (laughs) because like it wasn't until after the whole fight scene happened and then some dialogue occurred i was like raiden (laughs) i was so baffled i was like i don't know what the fuck's going on and that doesn't help matters that 10 minutes later the animality happens and i haven't had any of this stuff i haven't been able to acclimate it all so i'm just like what the fuck is this what is this (laughs) what movie am i in (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of what happened to me with the departed for some reason i caught like when leo meets matt damon on on the rooftop and it's really hostile and then spoiler alert leonardo dicaprio gets shot in the head and like like what the hell happened in this movie that that happened like it was I no i no clue what was happening so yeah i can well, spoiler see spoiler alert everyone gets shot in the head <laughs> that is a fantastic inside sequence. of 10 seconds yeah yeah <laughs> um 
but I wanted to key in on the our two supposed leads then, because in terms of screen time, you're not wrong. Like Sonya and Jax get a lot of it; they get a lot of play in this movie. Um, but Robin Sho is supposed to be, you know, Liu Kang. He's supposed to be the chosen one. He's supposed to be the guy that writes Wee. all the wrongs. Uh, Kitana is actually supposed to be the the person who saves the day in this one, but she's given shit all to do. <laughs> Um, and in fact, when they finally set her up to do something, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I feel bad for her. She's like the she's like the light speed in uh, episode five. It's just like vroom, 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 vroom. just keeps not working. <laughs> it's supposed to work. I, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to add some more passion behind that. It's not my fault. <laughs> Would it help if I got out and pushed? <laughs> but uh, in, in Robin Show's case, like. I hate to say it, man, because I like him, mm-hmm. and I've seen him in Hong Kong productions where he, like... He was in Beverly Hills Ninja as well. I forgot. He was. He's yeah. the brother. Like I, like I said, him and Keith Cook probably yeah. have a, a working relationship. They've they've worked together on a few sets. His but... thread was pretty funny in that movie, too. Sorry, I, I interrupted. Go ahead. <laughs> That's due for a rewatch. I haven't seen late-era Chris Farley in quite a while, and Almost Heroes is... I have a very soft spot for that movie. I do too. But I think he I, Matthew Perry's not good in that movie. Like he's not very funny. Chris Farley is f- him trying to learn the alphabet and trying to learn to read. <laughs> like every, every other week, every other week my brother and I go back and forth oh. doing that. Like, do you want my head to explode? <laughs> or him chugging the whiskey. He's like, "You look like a man who likes a good bourbon." He's like, "I better not." <laughs> It's <laughs> a slug of it, and he just takes the bottle. Nah, I, and I mean, on, only he could make that the eagle sequence. Oh my god, I forgot about the eagle, se- dude. Th- that movie leveled us when we were kids. I forgot oh, about yeah. that. No, I oh, yeah. really liked it. It it got horrible reviews. People generally don't look fondly upon it. I kind of, I kind of no, like it. It's unfortunately passed away, but he went out on top. He didn't. He didn't give a, like he didn't do a bad movie. Like I don't th- if he even shoot if he showed up in a movie that movie was so good. The first two Wayne's World, uh, Air, uh, not Air, Coneheads. He's in for crying out loud. Coneheads. Yeah, yeah. nothing he did was yeah. bad. Everything he did was good. Yeah, him from the well-informed security guard to the frontier guy. Do you remember he did just fine. Him, bra- <laughs> him breaking down, screaming, getting the tennis ball shot at him in Wayne's World too. They're just like lowering their sunglasses. Like what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Nick, do you not remember that? I'm I got video. no place else to go. go. <laughs> is it in Black Sheep Holy where he rolls down that hill? What, is that Black Sheep? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yes. The stu- love I mean, that part. Black Sheep is really funny, but kudos to the stuntman for doing that because that was no joke. That was intense. I mean, people like to talk about Lone Lone Survivor having some rough tumbles. Go check out Black Sheep, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, we need I'm to go do. pick a fight. All right. Uh. <laughs> uh, we need to do a Chris Farley movie at some point, so we can have a Chris Farley show about a, a Chris, Chris Farley, Farley movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Robin Show, uh, like I was saying. Uh, I've seen some of this guy's Hong Kong movies. I've seen when he was, you know, a stud, when he had to keep up with fucking Donnie Yen, and he did. Um, so for him, doing Mortal Kombat, it's like, this isn't asking that much of this guy. I've seen him do way better. 
Um, so it, it was really shocking and sad uh, to see how badly he phoned this movie in. Um, because I think that tells you what level of production we were at with this film. Because MK1 was like, that was a coming out party for him in terms of his like Hollywood acting career. I mean, it's it's a rare Asian Asian leading role in a Hollywood movie in the 90s. That's that's not like the fucking Joyla Club or something. It's like it's a it's a Hollywood movie based on a video game, yeah. But it's a you know an Asian male leading role. These do not come around all the time, and he showed the fuck up. Like he was in fantastic shape. He had the kick ass hair, <laughs> and he had screen presence. And he delivered his lines with verve. He he showed the fuck up. And this one, he is so fucking put out. Like, he just does not give a fuck. His hair is de-poofed. Um, and he is deflated as well. He never takes his shirt off in this movie. Oh, because I'm yeah. guessing he just did not give a fuck and didn't show up at the gym, you know? I'm like, sure if you would have popped that shirt off, it was still, he was still pretty cut. I just don't think he they gave a shit. Like, I don't think he gave a shit yeah. is the problem. Uh, because the way he delivers his lines, he doesn't have that like sparkle in his eyes, which given that the movie is shot by a DP, you would expect that they would have eyelights for everyone. They didn't, uh, which is kind of shocking. It's not a very handsome movie. It's kind of hideous at times. But yeah, he he's so put out, and even worse, the, the script. He's written to be so fucking whiny. Like, Liu Kang is a wet blanket in this movie. He is so obnoxious. He's just constantly whining about being inadequate and not knowing what to do. It's like, dude... You saved the world like five minutes ago. Like you threw you threw an orange fireball at a man like yeah. five minutes ago. Well, his, do that again, but he never does it again. His problem in the first movie, he was like arrogant. He was just overconfident, and uh, he was a little. I guess he was a little whiny there, but I think he was just like overconfident in the first one. See, difference was he was whiny to Raiden, mm-hmm. but he wasn't whiny to Johnny. He was kind of a dick. He was a dick. But, but the person he knew that he was secure and feeling inadequate in comparison to was the fucking god in the room. And so, so he would be honest with him. And he did have insecurity. So that's fine and whatnot. But he's like going around constantly telling everyone around him, like, I don't know what to do. Well, now he's got gods <laughs> to deal with. Your cards too tough. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he's he is a little bit of a girl. Um, yeah. What I think that was all the notes I had for this one. But it's got to be disheartening if, like, you return and, like, you're the who, the only person he recognizes in, among the cast is, what, the, the actress that plays Kitana? Because there's no... The director didn't return. All the actors are different. So I wonder if he just, like, read the room and he was like, okay, this... Like, I wonder if they just... He knew. Just like, this is not gonna... This isn't gonna work out. So... That's the way. Yeah, the the vibe on the set could have been bad, and I mean, Lyndon Ashby has gone on record. The fellow that played Johnny Cage in the first film, uh, he's gone on record saying like when he looked at what they were doing, he was like, "That is a shit show." Yeah, I remember. Like, he was that. like, at, he was he was offended as an actor. He was Ooh. like, "You you can't do that." Like as an actor, he was like, "You you can't just like rip the cast apart and expect it to work again." Like you you need to be careful about things like this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his th- his theory as to why he wasn't asked to show up again uh, was that, uh, you know, he's a part of the Screen Actors Guild and whatnot. He had a little bit of seniority, so his, his price tag would go up. Um, and being as Johnny's in the script for, like, two pages or whatever, I'm guessing they looked at his price tag and they're, and they're like, yeah, let's just get some guy who looks kind of like him. And he was like, well, yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
he uh, Luke Kang had a, had a had an opportunity to have like a good line delivery or at least a corny line delivery, but it's just like we die together. Like it's it's not even like a motivating we die together. It's just kind of stating the facts. <laughs> also, that revelation comes out of nowhere. Yeah, because like two minutes earlier, he's normal, insecure Luke Kang, and just I guess he decided he's feeling better now. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. And and Talisa Soto is Kitana is kind of she shares his vibe, which doesn't help being as they have a lot of scenes together. I was just gonna say she she was supposed to be kind of like enigmatic in the first one, and she does that just fine. Like she's not a terribly charismatic actress, um, but she had very few scenes in the first one. She's just kind of there to push the plot along. In this one, though, she's in a fair amount of it, and none of it's good, honestly. Uh, her she has much more fight scenes than she did in the first one, and like most of the people in this cast, she's not really up to task the the fights on the whole in this movie are, are really sloppy and just unmemorable there's like like it's really important when you're structuring a fight scene to, to have a narrative like a through line like just to have a like a visual element of storytelling where you can get an idea of who's who's holding the advantage right now what their intentions are you never really get any of that it's just kind of like random punches and kicks and it's all haphazardly thrown together uh, this movie's more fun than uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. I'll tell you that. And uh, she's. Did you watch it, Bob? Did you watch Wonder Woman eighty four? No, I've just I've just listened to so many reviews where it's just like I can play the whole movie out of my head and know that it's. Uh, this, uh, pitch meeting the Screen Rant guy, the pitch meeting guy. Yeah, he does a really good uh, iteration. His, his breakdown of it is pretty good. He cracks um, me up. But yeah, no. I, He's really funny. I like that guy. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Except when he starts getting into movies I like. I'm like, eh, careful here. Uh, watch your step. <laughs> but yeah, the the end, do you guys want to talk about the end fight sequence, I guess? Uh, I think that was... Sure. It's it's long, but yeah, sure. We can gloss over it. Yeah. And there's not a, like I said, the choreography, we have like four fights running parallel to each other, and not shit happens between any of it. Nothing. <laughs> Uh, so by this time, uh, Jade has come and gone. Oh, that I'm sorry. I did want to come back to Jade real quick. So she comes onto the scene kind of like that witch does in Conan the Barbarian, just kind of oh, like... Very yeah. similar, very similar. Like, kind of good, but like, uh, I don't know about this lady. Uh, and then she's just like, oh, no, we just had like a play fight. It's fun, no big deal. And then she's kind of with them throughout the film. And then when it's like a... At the end, she just like kind of reveals, Ha! I was on the other side the whole time, you dumb idiots! Like, uh, like nobody even asked. It was just kind of like out of nowhere. And I'm like, what, what was the point? It and was so easy to thing, fool think, you. Yeah. Yeah. It was so stupid. And then the big monster just eats her real quick, I think. And then and it burps. That's what I was... That was something that pissed me off. I'm like, you have it burp? Come on, yeah. dude. I mean, they... they built the thing they rigged it in the cgi software they may as well have it twice instead of just once um, it was completely pointless her her character as far as i understand in the games is kind of similar to this where she does have kind of like a playing both sides angle to her as far as i know she's like uh part of outworld um i don't think she's considered like one of the bad guys but she definitely an element over there in uh, mk11 she's 
uh, brought back from the dead and is with uh, Kotal Khan. Um, but yeah, in this movie, she's very oddly placed because you think she's like in league with Nightwolf. Yeah. Because Liu Kang goes into a trance and that's supposed to be one of his three tests, uh, of which there's only one apparently. <laughs> and uh, when he comes out of his trance state though, she's there, it's snowing, she's kind of naked she comes on to him. He rebuffs her advances. Uh, she twirls around with a spear. The snow disappears. They're in the desert again. Uh, now she has evil eyebrow makeup, so you know she's bad. And they have a little scuffle. And then she laughs when he's choking her, <laughs> which is I don't know if I don't know who I don't know if anyone in the room is into that kind of thing. I most certainly am not, but that's just me. No judgment. Um, but yeah, she has a chuckle at that, and then she's like, "I'm one of the good guys," and he's like. You, you sure? threw a spear at me, <laughs> like with a pointed end and everything. Did I? But yeah, she kind of like pals around with them for a while. Her evil eyebrows have gone away, so you know she's good now. Same outfit, different eyebrows though, so you know she's e- she's a okay now. But I love when uh, they reunite in Jordan. It's obviously Jordan, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Sonia's first reaction is, "You got rid of Kitana, and now you're yeah. with her." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, no, and he feel he feels the need to like yell back at her. <laughs> it's, like, it's like what? Just because I brought a woman with me, you just assume that we're boinking or something? It's like no, she's just with me. She can fight. Well, it could have been much worse. She could have said something racist, like "Is this your sister?" Like what the fuck? No, I just met her. So it, <laughs> it's a much be- yeah. That would it's a much better reaction. Yeah, that would be. Although all you'd have to do to you know alleviate that would be have Jade open her mouth because like you sound curiously. Eurasian, yeah, Russian, yeah, kind of Russian, but a weird kind of Russian. (laughs) Something's up with you. I don't know what it is. Yeah, can't put my finger on it. Uh, You're also like a half foot taller than everyone in the cast. (laughs) It's like kind of weird casting in that way. (laughs) It's too bad you are short. Uh. (laughs) But yeah, she ends up grouping up with Sindel later, and we get the Wonder Woman sequence. Funny enough, Wonder Woman, uh, where Sindel has her other big big acting moment <laughs> where uh, oh yeah that, that's, Raiden yeah. tells Raiden tells Kitana like with the power of love uh, you and your mom can close all the gates is this sounding familiar Kyle she, she, to Wonder Woman she pulls a squints <laughs> on her she pulls uh, like a squints on Wendy Peppercorn in uh, in the Sandlot. She like yes. goes, "I love you so much, Mom." And then she looks up and smiles at the camera, and then <laughs> waits for the hug to be done. <laughs> I was exactly able the whole that. time, you dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> I I wish I wish that was actually in the movie. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she stands up on this rock and oh, she does gosh. the, 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 the tw- she does the the 1970s Wonder Wonder Woman twirl mm. and then she eventually and I mean eventually like this poor woman is asked to spin for quite a while yeah. uh, eventually turns into a, a CGI wind effect and goes off into the ether uh, which after some merry mishaps basically brings us to the finale of the movie where all of our heroes pair up uh, for like one-on-one fights mm-hmm. while uh, Shao Kahn and Liu Kang go at it. Do so they? I, it takes a minute. <laughs> but, but yeah, Jax, we already said he pairs up with Motaro. Uh, long story short, um, the way he defeats him is he takes off his robot arms 
because Raiden told him, you gotta believe, like Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> and uh, Sonia gets paired up with Ermac, who is referred to as Leftovers, because, like I said, Ermac didn't have any character at this point. So even the even the hardcore fans of the games in the audience were pro- probably like, who's that? <laughs> oh my gosh! And I, so I have it. I have it on right now. This is actually really funny. Uh, they're just literally standing like a family portrait, watching Shao Kahn and Liu Kang fight. And Liu Kang just did his back backflip kick, backflip kick, and hit the guy in the nose that was uh, on higher ground. It's a flash kick. It's Guile's move from Street Fighter. <laughs> Guile. Oh. <Yeah>, Guile. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the other pairing is uh, Sindel and Kitana. They have more precious dialogue between each other and a really poor fight between each other. Um, but the main event is supposed to be Shao Kahn and Liu Kang. Um, and it, nothing about it is good. Like Brian Thompson tries, I give him that much. He like puts some vigor behind those those punches and whatnot, but his costume is really unwieldy. Like he is, you can tell he's kind of handicapped. He can't move as well as he probably would like to. Uh, but the real downer is uh, Robin Show. Just he, he didn't bring it, man. Like he doesn't get to do any real cool moves of any sort. He spends most of this movie getting his ass fucking whipped. Uh, Smoke, we didn't really say it, but Smoke beats his ass real bad. Um, he gets by like by the skin of his teeth in most of his fights in this movie, um, and in this one, even during his big spectacular comeback that Kyle's watching right now as we speak, he doesn't really get a whole lot in there. And actually, I thought like one of the clumsiest, like disappointing moments in that fight is after the animality when the the elder gods show up and say, like, okay, so Shao Kahn has to be human now, so we can end the movie. <laughs> and uh, everything has to be decided in mortal combat we cue the theme song and then they fight for like 10 seconds and Lou immediately gets his ass pounded into yes. the dirt yes. it's it's like it's, like in the editing room it's like who who thought this was a good idea to take like the best pump up song in the history of pump up songs and put it over footage of our hero getting his ass ground into this pavement <laughs> I think this is a sequel backfire. You know how I have a theory that third third installations, or it's generally third installations of films, don't have to be good as long as the first two movies killed. Like Batman Begins is really good, and then Bat- The Dark Knight is fucking awesome. And then Dark Knight Rises is meh. It's, it's not that great. Maybe It's good enough if you ask me. It's fine. Um, but yeah, maybe they're just like, Mortal Kombat 1 did so well, it doesn't matter really what we do in the second one. People are going to show up. I mean, we, the first one was awesome. So maybe they just thought they could trick enough people to get enough money, like, to, to actually turn a profit on it, which is despicable. Yeah, th- I think this was a, uh, like I said before about the production details, I think it was like a cart before horse type situation where they 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 overestimated how, how much safety margin they had. Where it's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, that things aren't shaping up the way they need to, and it's pretty obvious it's going to be bad but i don't think anyone has any idea how bad and then on top of that you have this cascading effect of the games starting to kind of like ease out of the spotlight where there was some bad mk games on the horizon mk4 is not particularly good mk mythologies the sub-zero game 
is fucking trash. Um, and then, like, all the PS2 GameCube games, fucking trash. And then you have, like, multiple cartoon series and a live-action television series that didn't get off the ground. All of this is money just flowing out the door. And on top of that, you're trying to manage a film production that uh, is not going your way. Um, it's not gonna. It's just not gonna be good when when you have that much on your fucking plate. You're gonna you're gonna overlook something. Also, Luke Kang. Like, I don't know how much they got to eat in Mortal Kombat One because like uh, Shang Tsung was just like, yeah, you guys are gonna have dinner, but first I'm gonna knock over your dinner, and Sub Zero's <laughs> gonna fucking kill a goon real quick. And then I don't see them eat the rest of the movie, so then they get back to Outworld. They're probably like, I could use a burger, and then the Emperor's like, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh. They don't get to eat again, so maybe that's why Liu Kang is not doing so well in this movie. It's like, he's malnourished. He needs some food. The poor guy hasn't eaten anything in two movies. I mean, Jack, Jax was unconscious. You burn calories in your sleep, and that man burns calories. <laughs> that, man, that man needs to it needs to take in about uh, 200 grams of protein a day, and he's had a few days where he hasn't taken in anything. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that man deflated like 15 pounds from the start of the movie to the end. Easily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, long story short, the fight um, after the animality, it's supposed to be like a fair fight. And uh, Liu Kang just kind of wins. That's that's actually the most frustrating thing you can do in fight choreography, if you ask me. Because like, like I said, there needs to be a story told via the movements and the physicality and whatnot. In this one, like I, I always refer to it as he decided to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like he was getting his ass beat the entire movie. Shao Kahn robbed him of his theme music. Oh, oh. <laughs> he beat him up that badly that he cut the fucking theme music. And then there's just a he grits his teeth moment and wins. Okay. Apparently that's what Michael Jordan did on the Bulls because I watched that last dance. He's just like... We were doing okay, and then somebody talked some shit, and then I just decimated him, basically. Like, he always just needed a little bit of extra motivation, and he would find it where he where he could. Maybe, yeah, he just decided to win. That, he literally, well, would, I mean, he was an athlete who decided to win. <laughs> I mean, the tr- same can be said for real fights as well, like in like athletic contests, like, like mixed martial arts or boxing as well. Sometimes it really, a lot of times actually, it does come down to just one instance of someone hitting the accelerator at the exact right moment. Um, but this is a movie. <laughs> um, there's an important storytelling is important, and I like when the math adds up. It's just a thing for me that you know if if you're going to have something where you're you're going to attempt to whisper about a secret weapon that's supposed to turn the tide, and then that secret weapon ends up being 13 seconds of screen time that occurs in the middle of the climactic battle. There is a serious problem with your storytelling. <laughs> that's what I was just trying to. I was trying to remember how he even won because the first segment of fighting he gets his butt beat so he's like well i'm gonna turn my animality boom gets beat again then the music comes he's like well this is it right here no you get beat again i'm trying to think how does he get beat because i don't remember all i remember is shinnok being turned into like the rubik's cube like he gets folded up i remember that but i don't remember how uh, how shao khan even gets beat Watched... I believe it's the it's the backflip kick that Kyle had, had pointed yeah, out. He, he does he does that and he falls onto the staircase and then his dragon tattoo on his shoulder, which Raiden also has because they're brothers in this movie, which I, n- I don't think is the case in the games. Um, it comes off him. 
Uh, his skin peels off. He turns into a dragon that evaporates. Yeah. Be- uh, because he got kicked. Because he got kicked real hard. I was going to say, so, yeah. Isn't he, like, <laughs> writhing? He's like, ow, this hurts yeah. me, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they have their he's conscious. fight. He's aware. And he's like, ow, I'm beaten. Stop. Ah. And then, boom, <laughs> dead. Yeah, he kind of does a... Uh, you remember when uh, the blood god is summoned at the end of Blade? Remember how the vampire skeletons come out of the the vampires? It's kind of like that, but with a dragon and not as good looking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Shinnok gets turned into, like you said, a Rubik's cube. I thought it looked like the Phantom Zone from Superman Two, with the the people in the like floating like it's like a two D like glass pane basically that they're floating around in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, but right yeah, now, then uh, the. The uh, the merger is undone. Uh, we get a bunch of shots of locations around the world, like landmarks and stuff. Because at one point we do have a actually kind of admittedly pretty landscape shot. Like I said, the best shots in this movie are just like vistas. Just like I think there's like a shot of like an Irish coastline or something. It's like wow, that looks really cool. And that's like oh, now it's time for martial arts. Boo. <laughs> but like at one point we get like a miniature Eiffel Tower coming out and like appearing in Outworld and stuff but all of that is undone and then we just appear in the Temple of Light like Liu Kang's digs and there's a bunch of monks and they're just like kind of stone faced like what happened (laughs) (laughs) and then um, it's unlike the first movie it's a mega happy ending basically exactly what I was going to say it was a mega happy ending (laughs) no Scooby Doo ending mega happy except for Johnny Cage whose neck is still Everybody else. <laughs> well, he he's he's still very badly burned. But, you know, if they made a third one, maybe they'd find a way to bring him back. Because hey, you know, by the time they were supposed to do a third movie, it was supposed to, be, I believe, be in the two thousands. Um, supposedly, um, Katrina affected the production. Um, but by the time they would be doing that, things like uh, the Nether Realm like Shinnok and like Quan Chi and all that stuff would be part of the story of the games. Maybe he'd come back as a revenant. Who knows? But of course we never got that movie. Instead, we got no Mortal Kombat movies. We got some web series, some very good games. And now in 2021, uh, hopefully we're getting another very good movie. Yeah. I'm kind of hyped. I mean, I, I'm about tapped out here on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but uh, before we go, we should, like share some thoughts about like where we're at with with the new movie like any thoughts i'm concerned with the costumes so far uh from what i've seen from the production i'm not seeing cool costumes now that might just be them being coy like we're not going to give away too much right now we're just going to give them kind of an idea but yeah i'm uh, i think that the i i have high hopes for the movie i'm hoping that it's going to be a lot of fun yeah, I, I do too, actually. I like that James Wan is a producer on it. He's not directing it, but his name is attached to it, and the man that knows That means horror. something. Yeah, and he, he knows quality as well. He generally makes solid products, mm-hmm. and him overseeing something, him throwing his own money into something, um, is is important to know. Also, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. It calls back to the first Mortal Kombat, where this a franchise dominated with a lot of Asian characters, and in fact, the cast for this one again is headlined by a lot of asian actors a lot of them are kind of not newcomers but people who really haven't had headlining roles like like big high profile ones and like major hollywood productions 
and James Wan himself is of Asian descent. So it's it's kind of an interesting situation where you have a good opportunity for a lot of people to get noticed uh, that maybe wouldn't otherwise. Um, but yeah, the, the costuming, they've been kind of careful about not showing very much of it. Like we see Sub-Zero in two separate photos, um, one showing part of his mask um, and one showing him not wearing the mask. <laughs> um, and so it's like you, your brain can't quite put the whole picture together. Um, but I'm really excited that Joe Taslim is uh, playing uh, Sub-Zero. He's a Indonesian martial artist and actor that's on the rise. Uh, he's got them eyebrows. I think there's a thing about Sub-Zero. He's got to have them eyebrows. Yeah. Um, that's a key component of Joe Taslim's acting and screen presence is bushy eyebrows. Um, I've seen him do some killer work in many, many movies. Uh, the Raid being, of course, chief among them. So I'm, I know he can deliver the goods in terms of the fight stuff. Um, and there's a couple other elements of the cast that are pretty exciting too. So I, I'm pretty hopeful. But how about you, Nick? Any, any thoughts? Have you even seen the production photos? No, yeah, actually, I think Kyle. I don't know if you knew before, but I, I think I was the one that, that told you that um, that there was an announcement for a new movie coming out. Um, you guys, saw... you guys got me at the same time. Oh, really? How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it and I was like, oh, I was hoping it was a trailer, but. You know, regardless, I'm going to see it anyway. So uh, I just hope that it, it is good and not another The Predator uh, situation. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, yeah, Kyle and I talked long about that one. Oh but, but. <laughs> but actually, I played through the Mortal Kombat 11 game story, and I was like, you know what? This, it, it actually felt like, a, an act, like an old movie to me. It felt like an old just like 90s action movie to me which I really enjoyed I don't really care so much about the lore itself but I thought the game you know it did what it needed to do just push the story far enough where you need two people to fight and that's what it did so I I mean I, I think I'll find enjoyment out of the new movie whether it is great or not well based on the like the tone and like the costuming, just the even just the the color grading of the photos we got, it looks like it's going to be more serious, mm-hmm. kind of dour, honestly. Um, actually, what I always thought was funny about MK11 um, is uh, not to go on a huge tangent here, but I drew a lot of comparisons between MK11 and GI Joe, like like a real American hero GI Joe, not not the Channing Tatum. One. <laughs> um, like it so much of it made me think of cobra and gi joe where like all the character designs are really bright and colorful we have a whole cast of characters they're constantly fighting each other and yet no one seems to die ever yes (laughs) Um, and like all the performances are very big and broad and loud and hammy where it brought me back a lot of memories of like watching gi joe saturday morning cartoons and stuff and it's really silly um whereas this movie doesn't look to be that and and nor should it, because MK11 is like a celebration of the entire franchise, yeah. where it's literally hitting the history eraser button it for the is, whole franchise yeah. because it took it. <laughs> yeah, they they took it as far as it can fucking go, and so it's like, oh, what do we do now? It's like, well, uh, let's redo it. Hit the eraser button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's let's snap this thing back to the beginning. But yeah, I, I'm pretty hopeful. Um, and uh, last thing I'll say about the the new movie. I'm going to call a vote here. Is is the theme song going to be in the movie? Oof. I feel like they kind of have to. It There's no way. Are they going to get Drake to do a fucking remix of it or something? That's my guess is they're going to get 
some sort of hip hop remix of it or something. I think it'll be a huge mistake if they don't use the original, uh, the original, the movie's song. Yeah. I I don't think that they're gonna do the just full on original. But like you said, they might find a way to incorporate some sort of remix. I don't know if it'll be hip hop, but I think it will be a, a play on it. I just don't think they can go full on just. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they can do it. <laughs> I think they'll be too scared. Well, I mean, the 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 original is from its time. Yeah. It does sound like a jock jam sound. It sounds like the Lakers should be running out <laughs> like to it. But, but my like my guess is it will be a remix of some sort. Um, it will have whoops. It will have boas. I'm anticipating. Yeah, no whoop 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 wow 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 wow. It'll have a lot of that, and I'm anticipating a hip hop remix, and it will probably suck I w- hmm. will it play at the beginning though because Mortal Kombat Annihilation that's one thing we didn't mention well Nick did mention it that actually they do fool you into a false sense of security mm-hmm. by playing the theme music in the opening I think it would be you're, you're hyped you're ready for it we get the clip show and then the movies <laughs> I think it would be wise it would be wise of them to wait till the to the credits hit to hit him with the Mortal Kombat I think to hit him with the original song but yeah I don't think it'd be a good idea to start it with that Oh I'm imagining a snap snap to black and then Mortal Kombat and then credits Yeah I'm imagining that for the usage of the theme song But how about you Nick you think you're going to think they're going to do they're gonna do it in the movie. They're gonna open it with it, no, or they're gonna close no. it with it. The based off of those no. the screen, the, <laughs> the pictures I saw, it looks like they're playing a more safer kind of toned down, like you said. So with that in mind, I'm thinking if they do bring it out, it's gonna be a toned down version remix, and it'll pro- probably be later, maybe in one of the more uh, critical fights or something like that. They'll they'll bring it out, but uh, we'll have to see. I'm curious. Take bets. <laughs> okay well i guess that about does it for mortal Kombat annihilation um directed by john r leonetti from 1997 uh thank you so much for joining us nick this was yeah. a ton of fun thank um, you i'm glad we found a way to get you back on the show again um hopefully many more occasions in the future because obviously we had a grand old time doing this <laughs> no. i did too thank so, you thank you uh you you let kyle know you let kyle know if you have any movies that you want to talk about like i like episodes you know you would like to get into you just let him know and we'll find we'll find a way to get in there kind of want to get him on the prometheus episode and that might be a foursome uh and we wanted to oh, get brad in here too yeah, be ready yeah. well you guys are gonna gang up on me huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, maybe that'll have to happen. I mean, I, I was hoping to save Prometheus for Masterclass Month, uh, so that won't be for a while. Uh, but in the meantime, anything comes to mind, Nick, just say so. Sure. Um, but that being said, um, if you would like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, um, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an Instagram at catchinguponcinema as well as a Twitter, at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up there if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes. And uh, we are available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine, so Google it. Um, but yeah, that being said, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this draws a close to our video game movie month, um, and we will catch you next time. Bye.